For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Lines open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'm just going to mention this once, and it's just by virtue of the fact that if there might be some dead air or little bits of confusion or sometimes it doesn't sound as if everything is going 100% according to plan, it's because I've got an awful lot of buttons and sliders and uh, all sorts of different screens and lots to do here. It's called a self-op studio and I have broken my left arm. So it's in a big sling, so I only have the use of one hand. I fell off putting the... I'm just mentioning it. It's, it's not a big deal because there's people out there who are really suffering and, and are very, very sick and uh, have issues going on in their lives. And just mentioning it by virtue of the fact that, uh, that I might struggle from time to time with the bits of equipment here, but I'll do my best. I was putting the rib into storage on Saturday afternoon. I have no idea. Uh, it was down west along, down Valencia Way, and uh, I fell off... And this uh, couple of high steps, I mean, I just I have no idea. All I know is I remember falling and bang, and it snapped my humerus. So that's where I'm at now, and will be, and will be for the next six weeks. So I only have the use of the, the of the right hand, and the forefinger is going to be very busy. I think a lot of licking of the forefinger for pages. Anyway, I just mentioned it, um, um, and I just passed it on for fear that there might be a little bit of uh, toing and froing, and I apologise in advance for that. Uh, so anyway, the papers this morning, the Sun is talking about that November could well be a cold one and a wet one. Sure, what else, what else do we expect? the month of November uh, give us a bit of good news tell us what the spring is going to be like and apparently apart from the old flooding that was around at the weekend it wasn't great people made the most of it they were plodding around uh, it's as well as says it was it was rough enough but it could have been a hell of a lot worse uh, but the jazz certainly in more ways than one made a splash and it's the front page making the echo today um, and uh, I mean there was still 45-50 million made and over 100,000 people came into and did the, did the best they could to enjoy all of the jazz and did the pub trail and all sorts of things like that but the 45th one has been hailed not only just a huge success but also a reminder that we need to sort this flooding, we really and truly do and I see on the front page of the Echo today, uh, Michael O'Donovan, the Vintners Federation Chief down south says there are issues with the flood defences it really is time now that we step up and get it sorted. In fact, Kevin Hurley, he, who's the president of the CBA, said something similar. He said, I was on the street on Saturday night and it was very sad to see the flooding on Oliver Plunker Street uh, for the businesses on Oliver Plunker Street, for the bars and the restaurants and what have you. But people still got out and did the best they could. Have you seen the video footage? I think we shared some of it um, uh, over the weekend of this brawl, this awful brawl involved an awful lot of people, dozens and dozens of people, both inside and outside the Rochestown Park, just went at it with a vengeance, poking and kicking and digging and throwing chairs and furniture and smacking people with all sorts of different, anything they could lay their hands on, they were trying to beat other people up with. Ultimately, apparently two people were arrested and another two ended up in hospital. If you saw the video footage, and I suppose Gardaí can only deal with what they see when they arrive at the scene, but if you saw the video footage, you'd think that dozens and dozens of them, dozens of them should have been taken in and arrested. It was absolutely awful. It was at uh, Bingo Local, who had nothing at all to do with the brawl and the fighting that kicked off. It was very annoying for them, I'd say, putting on the show. And annoying as well for the Rochester Park, who issued a statement. They said the events taken place for the last five years on numerous occasions and the hotel will cooperate fully with the Gardaí. It was as bad as you've seen and so young, so young and so angry and so probably out of it in more ways than one. Anyway, they said the management of the Rochester Park Hotel are horrified by the incident that happened in the hotel Saturday night, a popular social event 
which was hosted numerous times, was marred by a couple of groups of people who attended the night. I don't know whether it was one group fighting with another group or whether there was some kind of feud. I've no idea what was going on, but it was awful to see and it spoiled the night for people. And it just goes to show as well how angry people can be and why young people get so angry, I don't know. And they have exciting lives ahead of them. Uh, isn't it so sad? Although I don't know the show Friends, I know of its popularity. I tried to watch it numerous times. You know, it's, you know, different shows and not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, but it's devastating because I think it could be fair to say that Matt Perry was just a lovely guy and a really likable guy with all of his struggles. More on that in a few minutes' time. But it dominated right across the weekend and again this morning because his friends within the cast of Friends have paid tribute to him. They're absolutely, utterly devastated. The likes of Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow and Martel Blanc and David Swimmer have all come out. Schwimmer and Kimmel give a, a joint statement. He, found, he was found drowned in his hot tub, his jacuzzi in LA on Saturday. It's awfully sad. Many people are paying tribute to him. They don't know what happened. They just don't know. Um, coroner has ordered a drugs report uh, on, on Matthew Perry's body. Uh, to see because the cause of death has proved inconclusive apparently but it makes all of the newspapers today uh, and I know that many people listening to me right now would, be, would have been huge Mad um, Perry fans and indeed uh, fans of the series Friends which ran for years and I talked to, talked to Claire about it in a few minutes time she was a, she's a huge fan and of course popularity of shows like that means that many people watch it on rerun after rerun after rerun. And in America another story that's rerunning is uh, Molly Martins and her ex-FBI dad uh, Thomas Martins they've accepted a plea deal now. It's making all of the front pages this morning the plea deal is for voluntary manslaughter instead of murder. So there's another trial now going on at the moment and they'll be sentenced at the end of it after many witnesses are called uh, in the coming days, I don't know how long it could take, but it'd be days or weeks, but they'll be sentenced instead now for voluntary manslaughter. And I hope to return to that story uh, over the next few days. All too often, we have dogs attacking people of all sorts of different ages. You know, of poor old Alejandro uh, down in the uh, in County Waterford needing plastic surgery. There's another story making the papers today. Uh, two women seriously injured in another dog attack again down east in Waterford City. Now, one woman was attacked by the XL bully dog. Um, Now, I won't say much about it because an XL bully, I think, is some form of a pit bull. You guys will know more than me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Text 0868104106. So she was being attacked in uh, St. John's Park in Waterford City Centre on Friday afternoon. Another woman hears the attack and comes to her aid and she then gets badly injured as well by the vicious dog. I don't know what kicks the dog off. Um, It's a story that I'll be coming back to this morning. Um, And it's a story that makes all of the papers. Mirror's headline is Woman Facing Surgery After XL Bully Attack. Two of them badly hurt, but one of them particularly nasty injuries. Um, There are a lot of uh, cases that are still unsolved. But hold on. The Sun this morning says that the Irish Guardi, according to John Jumbo Kearns and The Sun this morning, Guardi now believe that they finally know who brutally murdered Sophie Toscan de Plantier. Um, And he's obviously been talking to uh, Guardi or detectives or somebody in the force on a confidential um, off the record basis because he's saying that they are sure the killer was somebody local who knew her and that they will have a cast iron case to prove it. Um, They say that the case was helped 
by the different television documentaries that I suppose jogged the memory of people um, when they, you know, aired on television and many people came forward with new information. The Guardian are saying, or at least his source is saying, we're slowly but surely building up a case by the book and we can bring it to court and we believe we have more than enough evidence against a suspect and the DPP will agree with us. They said that the people in the past have been convicted in Ireland for much more, um, for much more than some of the evidence we have, if that makes sense, in the sense that they have enough evidence to really and truly get a conviction, they're saying. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I don't know, are we talking about weeks or months or years? Who knows? It's certainly been years with regards to the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. That's a story that makes the star today because apparently Kate and Jerry McCann have got an apology from the Portuguese police. And as you know, for many years, they were uh, named as suspects after their three-year-old went missing in the Algarve. Um, um, many believe now, including the German authorities who did some serious investigation into uh, Maddie McCann's disappearance, they believe that Mad- Madeleine McCann is dead and that she was killed and murdered by a 46-year-old man by the name of Christian Brunkner. He abducted and he killed Maddie. So, um, again, still nobody, And uh, there is nobody talking as to where... Um, Madeline might be so that she could be reunited with her family. Papers also this morning talk about, um, you know, these new weight loss drugs. I think they're pens. I think they're little jabbers that you, you jab a couple of times a week. But um, it's medication the likes of Wegovi. Wegovi is a medication that was initially sold as a diabetes medication, but it's been taken all over the world now and millions and millions of people are using it. Um, because it is hugely effective to lose weight. Um, And much of it was pushed by celebrities who were endorsing the weight loss drug online. But apparently if, and apparently people are, buying it online because they can't get a prescription from their doctor for it, they're playing Russian roulette with the products that they're getting because there is no... Um, uh, you know, there's no health and welfare checks and you don't know what the ingredients are. You don't know who's making them or what kind of a backstreet laboratory is putting it together and you could kill yourself by them. But they're huge. These drugs, the official ones, are hugely, hugely popular. Um, I imagine they're only supposed to be um, uh, prescribed for people with um, some form of diabetes issues for weight loss. Uh, but many, many people are getting it um, and, uh, and using them just for weight loss. You see the amount of money that the young earners are making these days. Nothing, um, I know Harry Styles now is the um, the wealthiest young, I suppose, European, or maybe even star in the world outside of America. Uh, he's now worth over 200 million euro. But uh, he's in the halfpenny place when you compare his earnings to the likes of Taylor Swift in a calendar year. She has now uh, passed the billionaire mark. So hugely popular as Harry Styles is, he's got about a fifth of her income apparently. But I suppose the way things are going for Harry Styles won't be long before he catches up. And today, of course, is Samhain, as in Halloween. And you're never short of a story in the papers in regards to... Uh, Halloween, particularly today. So they're telling us that watching a horror film for Halloween is actually very good for you. You mightn't get a full night's sleep tonight if you sit down and watch the classics like The Exorcist or The Omen, but it releases some good chemicals in the brain known for reducing stress, which is kind of hard to believe that a nightmare on Elm Street uh, would reduce stress levels. (laughs) When? 
Certainly not while watching the movie, I would think. And then there's some survey in The Sun that says 45% of people and 48% of women who were surveyed believe in ghosts. Um, I think it would be great, though, to have some kind of a full-on experience with someone from the spirit world, wouldn't it? Uh, and, 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 you know, it could be a seance or it could be a, a psychic. But, you know, with, with the psychics and the fortune tellers, you have to try and sort out the good from the bad and the real from the fakes. But actually, see that one? Um, the F word is actually good for you. That actually doing a bit of roaring or screaming or getting angry is actually very good. It improves performance, particularly in the workplace. They're saying this morning that this research says that the likes of Gordon Ramsay or Alex Ferguson or Jan, John McEnroe would never have succeeded to the levels that they did if they didn't have tantrums and go off on one and do a bit of screaming and roaring. And I suppose on the tennis court was John McEnroe's workplace. So I'm not for a moment suggesting that it would go down well with HR departments and companies, but they're suggesting that a bit of a roar and a scream. A friend of mine always used to say, sometimes you just have to have the row. <laughs> Words of wisdom, I suppose. Anyway, text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Have a listen to this. It's a show I, it's a show I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you're a huge fan. Yeah, like like my whole life I've, I've watched Friends. How many series of it? Do you know off the There's top ten. Of ten? Yeah. Okay, so over what, like a 15-year period from the early 90s? Yeah, kind of like mid-90s. It was about 10 years, so like kind of early to mid-90s up until the finale. I think it was like 2004, 2005 kind of a time. And I remember the finale um, being aired live on RTE. Um, That was huge at the time. But I suppose like I come from, I'm the youngest in my family, so like my sisters would have been watching it when they were at the right age to watch it. So, you know, I would just be watching it. And This is great for me because I've never seen an episode of it. And I know absolutely... Absolutely nothing about it. But I love that guy, Matt Perry. I yeah, just love Chandler his story. Bing, I know. Because I think he, he was a fighter. He tried so yeah, hard he and he was trying to confront his demons. He, he was did. open about it. Yeah. But the show itself, mm-hmm. anytime I would pass it in a room, because my daughter was a huge fan, yeah. but every time I passed it in a room, they could be cracking jokes. And I found one as corny as the next. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it just wasn't for me. It's a certain kind of maybe humour as well that like, I suppose, as I say, when you grow up, you know, when you grow up with something being funny, that's just like your sense of humour okay, then yeah, and you love yeah, it. Yeah, it, it ticked the box. But yeah. funnily enough, you loved it, but you also yeah. love Frasier, which yeah, I, I Frasier. wouldn't miss a single episode. They're yeah. completely different types of humour. I know, that's true as well. But they're both very like 90-centric, so maybe I oh, like totally. that aspect to yeah, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So what, what do we know of the poor misfortune? He had his yeah. struggles, didn't he? He wrote a very open and honest he book did. about it. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, he even wrote a play, which my daughter went to oh, wow. on the East End mm-hmm. in, in England and mm-hmm. went to see that in London. But um, he, he was trying his best, wasn't he? He was. And something that has come out a lot, you know, in the in the recent few days, which I've seen a good bit on social media, um, you know, and heard about is that he there's actually a, a clip of him saying when he dies that, you know, he doesn't want friends to be the first thing that people think of, which is going to be impossible because he was so iconic as Chandler Bing. But what he really wants to be remembered for is helping people who struggled and that he was always there for you. Like the song says, he was always there for people that if they said to him, look, I'm struggling or I'm finding this tough or I have an addiction, that he would do his best 
to help them and I think that's a really really nice thing to remember him by and to remember Interesting that he would say that or talk about yeah. it did he think that maybe he wasn't going to make it and he know. felt he had to say that like I was reading somewhere at the weekend that he had, he had issues with paranoia and maybe that was some kind of psychosis because of what he was yeah. taking or struggling mm-hmm. with because he, he would say that if he, if he didn't get the biggest laugh or mm-hmm. if he mm-hmm. didn't get the laugh that he thought yeah. he was yeah. it a live audience for, yeah, for friends yeah it was it was filmed in front of a live audience that it would put him into free fall and he'd, 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 he'd struggle badly because of the reaction and I think that you know we're living in a world now where like you know so much about celebrities you get the paparazzi of them outside rehab or they're talking about it on their Instagrams or their TikToks or whatever whereas a lot of that Matt Perry stuff came to the surface only recently but it was all happening back then and maybe a lot of people didn't know about it I certainly didn't know about it until it all really came to the forefront recently when he was doing his book and interviews and stuff about it so and you can see it you know his weight really fluctuated in in Friends and it was like the second or third series he was so so thin and so gaunt you know and that was a lot to do with the struggles which you wouldn't have known then it just wasn't out there then I know I know and I think he said again from the weekend he said that there was one series that he doesn't, rem- he doesn't remember yeah, he doesn't remember and, and you know his co-stars they are all still quite close and apparently Jennifer Aniston he who played Rachel Green you know he says Jennifer Aniston was one of the best ones to just be checking in with him to just check if he was doing alright to check if he was good to make sure he was you know on the straight and narrow a small bit and, and you know looking after him a lot which was really nice to hear as well. um, there was a, a, a kind of a remake was it they got together again they uh, did the yeah. reunion yeah, yeah. was that and a one off show yeah it was just a one off show yeah, you know, and it's great. I, I think people love seeing that the cast are still in touch and that they're still friends with each other, do you know, because I suppose Friends is such an institution and, 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 you know, I can't help but see any one of those actors' faces, even though a lot of them might have, you know, made their own way in Hollywood or doing other things now. You're they're always going to be those characters, yeah, yeah. for me, anyway. Yeah, that, yeah, and I think yeah. that's true of a lot of people. Okay, talk us through the little bit of audio we have <laughs> in memory of Chandler yeah. being the character. Some of his best one-liners here for people. Okay, have a listen to this. Thanks, Claire. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. The camera adds 10 pounds. Uh, so how many cameras are actually on you? Well, don't you see how gross that is? I mean, that's like you're using my toothbrush. <laughs> you use my toothbrush? Well, that was only because I used the red one to unclog the drain. Mine is the red one. Oh, God. Can open worms everywhere? Monica and I had a grandmother who died. You both went to her funeral. Name that grandmother. (laughs) Nana? She has a real name. Althea! Althea! What are you doing? I took a shot. You're shooting with Althea? Althea is correct. Nice shooting! (laughs) Oh, sorry. Did I get you? Get me? It's an electric drill. You get me, you kill me. And how do we spell Casey? Is it like at the bat or and the sunshine band? Okay, bye bye. Hey, who's this? Uh, this Casey? Oh, some guy she met at the movies. Oh, really? What? Uh, what does he want with her? Well, I'm guessing he wants to do a little dance. <laughs> you know, make a little love. And... I'll pretty much get down tonight. Every week, the TV guide comes to Chandler and Joey's apartment. What name appears on the address label? Oh, Chandler, it's, it's Chandler Bing! No! 
I'm afraid the TV guide comes to Chenandler Bong. I knew that! Rachel, use your head! Actually, it's Miss Chenandler Bong. Hey, come on, I say more dumb things before 9 a.m. than most people say all day. actually on Friends and Chandler Bing's character and indeed the character who was played by Matthew Perry Joe from Joe's Hair Salon Joe, good morning Heartbroken Good morning Neil First of all Neil I'll say you should do a whole program on tantrums I've got the best tantrums ever The best tantrums? Tantrums you're on earlier about tantrums <laughs> Oh, Jesus, going off on no, one in the workplace I, I'd say oh, I'd say you're I'm totally amazing. I'm a genius but I get tantrums with my customers oh my god if you don't stop talking if you don't stop moving the head, I walk away from my yeah, well, at least oh, you, you don't fling the hair you don't fling a hair dryer at them like no I don't but I'll be flinging the comb and scissors because <laughs> they'd be looking around talking to each other oh hold on now maybe sorry Joe can you stop for a minute Today like is the now. day of the banshee. You know the banshee. She's always combing her yeah. hair. She might call into oh, you for yeah. a wash, try and yeah, set. And they follow the always. They follow the always. <laughs> Neil, so mind just. Neil, you sound different this morning. Are you okay? I can find something in your voice. I'm very um, tuned in. Has everything going on okay with you? <laughs> a broken arm, if you want to know. I knew there was something now, and that's funny. A broken arm, but I don't know that you I should be able to tell. In your voice. I'm in. I'm in body mechanics at the moment now, and I'm thinking about you. <laughs> Push and Neil, just before we start about Chandler, a whole year we haven't talked. Uh, is it that long? Oh, what, what, did I upset you? You didn't. You sent me donuts in the mouth of private, and you forgot all about me then. Well, I'm I sorry about that. Listen, you I have an open door how policy. Was I was I doing okay? I was alive or dead? But, my sincerest apologies, Joe. Except I get my true to Seamus, and I'm get true to you. Oh my God! <laughs> no, we anyway, weren't. I'm delighted. We weren't. We weren't odd with you. We never would be. But oh, anyway, no, listen. It's of my mischief. Or like it's it's like a uh, what's it called a crush. Um, I needed to hear you I needed to get on and people saying you're not talking to me said, oh, of course I'm here not talking to me I'm your man crush absolutely yeah <laughs> anyway getting bad about Chandler odd Neil of so safe he was such a character and you, he was such a guy with demons you know what I mean he suffered so much you you said beautifully in your text that you went on a journey with him you could you could see that he was struggling you could see the ups and downs of his life and he apparently was very open about all of that wasn't he absolutely Absolutely, I'd come home from work now, but on friends, because you could come home from work fed up, and there's one line that's all very good. But you see, Chandler, he was up and down and putting on wage one minute and losing wage another. And yeah, that, that probably was a lot of the medication that he was on as well, you know? Well, Neil, yeah, but you could actually see it, and you could see that he's lost loads of weight, and then you could see, and you could see he's struggling. But even when they had that reunion the last time, when they all finished up, you could see it in him. So as I said, you like your arm. I'm very psychic. I can see these things, Neil. You know what I mean? You're I psychic. Yeah. I no, no, but I mean, like, I, I suppose, you know, he was open and honest about it, and he he hoped to leave some sort of, a, um, you know, a, a, a legacy yeah. behind him that wouldn't just be about friends. Um, you know, he had good friends around him, and they're making the papers this morning. But we we don't know of the, we don't know of the cause of death. Um, but yeah. were, you, were you making the point that you know people like him sadly, sadly, all too often don't live long lives? Yeah, I I think like you know he he was a time bomb really. He was he was constantly on the edge. You know what I mean? It's and sad. like a lot of people, I like you mean drink drugs. 
um, you fight. And say in that industry, then um, the Lazard of got dealing with fame. You know, you can't imagine someone being isolated. Not easy. No, not easy. No, not easy. I think you don't know what it's like being isolated from from being so famous in the Papawak, the outside your house and the whole lot. I have a bit of myself in the saddle. No, but uh, no, but honestly, well, maybe you do. But no, but on a very serious level, I would imagine the likes of him, Matthew Perry, they're always on, you know, they're always switched on, as in they're always performing because it's expected of them and they can they can never kind of relax maybe or be themselves. It's it's not expected. Oh, totally, Neil. Yeah, anything to do with, with out with the public like that. Even again, I'm not being smart now, you know yourself, you come in and bad form. So, oh, Jesus, what's wrong should stay? You always have to be be seen in tough form, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And he has yeah. to be seen to be funny. I think for a comedian then, oh, he's not funny at all, and we like, what's wrong with him, you know what I mean? No, he's odd. I'd say the pressure like that is, is, is pressure. tough. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. and if someone isn't laughing at their jokes, or if someone doesn't find you funny, it's say, oh, did, does, is she finding Joey funny than me, is Rachel pressure than me, you know? That's the paranoia that he spoke about, actually, yeah. He did talk yeah. about that, you know, the pressure of not getting the biggest laugh, and the paranoia, yeah. and, you know, and, and it just would kick off a cycle of self-doubt and stuff like that. Very sad, though. Yeah. It really and truly and is. And he's a strong character, like Phoebe and all those. I know now you're not into it, but like, it, it, they, they were brilliant. They were, they were brilliant and they were brilliant force and together, you know. Well, he's left a body of work behind them. You could actually point. relate to them a bit, you know. You'd have that madness with friends, that silliness of of carrying on. That's what they were doing. On another know. note, though, I think that there's a soap opera inside in your hair salon if you put up, up a couple oh, there of cameras is. there. Oh, there is. But you're missing all because you won't contact me. You can't come to the room. Oh, Mother God, there, there are things that we have there so if need plenty of us here now, we'd have it. You have not you been... Ask, you have not, none you have not been cancelled. I, gu- I guarantee you now I'm going to be plaguing you right between now and Christmas time, so... Ah, uh, well, I'll be plaguing you next week as I'm doing my charity event. There you go. Season, we'll so chat next week. Answer, Let's raise loads of money for you Mind yourself, I can feel it in your voice or suffering. I'm not suffering, I'm fine. Would you get away out of that? It's only a broken arm. There's people much worse than me. Can I talk to Killian Doyle? Because he's going on air, he's a producer and presenter at Beat, uh, and he joins me by phone. Killian, good morning. Seriously, though, um, the poor misfortunate man has had his struggles. Um, and I think it's very fair to say that he was so well loved, wasn't he? And everybody was kind of struggling along with him. Would you agree? I would. Good morning, Neil. Thanks morning, for having man. me on. Um, yeah, no, I loved Matthew Perry and particularly the character Chandler Bing. Um, I'm only a 26-year-old, so I didn't really grow up with the show, but I just think that's a credit, I suppose, to himself and to the whole cast. That, you know, it's timeless. It really is about a show about six friends. You can dip in and out of it at any age and see the struggles. But he was much loved. And I suppose for me, as being that kind of goofy sort of lad, you know, in class, you could resonate with him, you know, always trying to get a joke in and crack a joke. And... It's just really sad, and it's the first celebrity death, in my opinion. Like, I've, you know, fan of Taylor Hawkins, you know, Michael Gambon. I've been a Harry Potter fan, but I actually, I was in tears when I saw the news. I was out in Kilkenny, and I just, a young lad on my phone can't put it away when I'm enjoying a night out, and I opened up Twitter, and there it was, and I just broke into tears. It was madness. My daughter was the same, actually, and, and at the age of 54, it's so unfair, isn't it? So unfair. It really is. It really is. And I, I just, I, I know you said that, but I suppose there's so many question marks over as well. Um, and his Instagram as well. It was, 
he was kind of posting cryptic kind of posts saying he's math man a load of Batman stuff and there's a load of conspiracy theories now online saying what's actually happening but it was just you could see he was troubled and even uh, people were talking about the Friends reunion and you could see it in his eyes that the show meant so much to him as he said he doesn't want to be known mm. for friends he wants to be known for helping people but it really was it was a massive part of his life and he's probably most proud of that he said when I die I know people will talk about friends 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 and I'm glad of that happy I've done some solid work as an actor as well as giving people multiple chances to make fun of my struggles on the world wide web what did he mean by that I suppose it's as being a celebrity, I suppose it's not easy to put yourself out there and you have to be open by that. But I suppose it's a, it's probably a bigger part of his life than Friends ever was, his addiction and his, his drug use and his drink use. I suppose he just wants to know that if he can get through it with all the pressure of media and interviews and obviously trolls online, I suppose anyone can. You know, that is so true. And I was reading in the papers this morning that he had overcome pretty much every one of those, according to his pals. And his, and his last challenge was to give up cigarettes. And he was working hard on that. So he really was committed. It's beyond tragic because he was doing all of the right things and fighting and try, trying so hard. Did you read his book? I tell you what, Neil, I read the first chapter of it and I had to put it down. It was just so upsetting to read. Such a, and a well-loved for me actor and obviously I'll always see him as Chandler Bing and I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to read the book. It was that terrible. So sad. Friends, lovers and the big terrible thing. What's the big terrible thing? Is it the issue with regards to addictions? I would say so. I think... I suppose for himself, he was a young actor. I suppose 91, 92, he didn't know if Friends was going to take off. Obviously, 10 seasons through it, one of the biggest shows in the world. Um, I mentioned there, I think it was from season three to season five, he couldn't remember filming any of the series. He Isn't that bizarre? Episodes. It's absolutely madness. And you could see, I, I remember for me anyway, even though I didn't watch it live for the 10 years, I watched it, you know, at 2018, 2019, you could see there was an episode where he gets engaged to Monica and that's the final episode of the season. And then like the next season picks up from that day and he was overweight and then he was as skinny as a minx. Like, you know, it was just madness. So I think the terrible thing, I suppose... It's the addiction. I suppose Jennifer Aniston went on and met a big in Hollywood. Matt LeBlanc, obviously, at top gear. I think they're the only kind of two. Maybe Courtney Cox with Cougar Town. And I suppose he was kind of left in dumps, trying his best at, you know, writing a few bits. And I think, um, as I read um, online over the weekend, that his doctor sold him with a 2% chance of making it, of living, unless he kind of, you know, changed his way. Was that at some stage when he had been hospitalised for some serious issues, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah. From '97 uh, was when his real addiction started. Uh, oh, I think like, he, I think there was some there was organ failure or something, wasn't there? Something like that. Organ failure. Yeah, I think he was found passed out in his apartment, and I think that was a right kick up the arse from. My God Almighty! And when you were watching those series, the ones that he couldn't remember, um, w- was it evident that he w- was in a bad place, or, or, or was he just such a professional that you wouldn't have known the difference? Uh, for me, anyway, uh, not so ever. He was just Chandler Bing. He was the same character, but you could see, you could see the state of his body. You know, he was really, really skinny, and he said in, the, in his book that he was coming into work hungover every day, not in the form for it. And I suppose when there's a live audience in front of you, you just have to flick a switch, and you're a different person. I suppose he got into the character, and he wasn't Matthew Perry anymore. He was Chandler Bing. Did you ever think that perhaps because of everything he was going through, that there would have been a reason to write him out? He wasn't written out, but that the he could have been. He, he went, very well could have been, but he kept it a secret. He said that was his biggest thing was not telling ever, anybody. 
he, no one knew, none of the cast, Jennifer Anderson, Matt LeBlanc, David Schwimmer, no one knew for a good few parts of those seasons that he was really, really struggling. And I think that was the big thing for him was actually accepting the fact that he had a problem and letting his other castmates and mm. producers know. Yeah, I know investigations will be ongoing and there'll be more toxicology reports and all sorts of things like that. But I cling on to the belief that his friends are accurate when they say that he had overcome many of the demons and hopefully whatever it was that happened was just a tragic accident. Um, you were such a fan, I believe, that you have a little Chandler Bing doll on your desk at work. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I have one of those little pop figures and it's actually fitting for today. It's a Halloween episode where he dresses up as a bunny um, with Chandler Bing. Yeah, have, have it on my desk. I, just, I love the character. I really resonated with the character, the kind of jokey side, the kind of, you know, I think there's a, a, a great quote from him. He says, you know, I'm Chandler Bing, I make jokes and I'm uncomfortable. And I always kind of resonated with that, you know, I kind of, I'm always the lad that kind of, you know, is, I'm not that funny, Neil, but you know, it's always trying to f- see the light and everything, even in tense situations. And I just resonated with him. And very show, very few shows make me laugh out loud. But when I started watching Friends, I can tell you, I was tackling. And also, you were saying that the real person, not the character, you could resonate because you were like him in many of the struggles yeah. or, you know, the and uncomfortable aspects of social life, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's what hit me so hard about this celebrity death was, you know, it could be anybody tomorrow, you know, um, and it just so happened to be for Matthew Perry that, you know, faced these things. But I really, I really did feel for him and resonate with him. Oh, beautifully said. Fair play. Do you think at this stage, finally, Killing, he might go back now and read the book? finish the book? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think I should. I think, um, as you said, he doesn't want to be remembered um, from friends. He wants to re- remember from helping people and um, I'm sure and I know there's great stories of him helping people overcome addiction. So definitely I think it's worth to read and I'll be hopping over to Tesco or Book Centre or wherever here in Waterford. Right. <laughs> Give me that book. Listen, thanks so much for taking the call, pal. Mind yourself. Regards to you all Anytime, down east. Neil. Take care. Killian Doyle. Killian Doyle at, uh, at Beat. Uh, and Killian is right uh, because he said, Matthew said, when I die, as far as my so-called accomplishments go, it would be nice if friends were listed far behind the things I did to try to help other people. I know it won't happen, but it would be nice. Text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. There's a, a timeline actually with regards to poor old Matthew Perry and everything went through. He went back to 1997 with a Vicodin addiction and that led to heavy amounts of drinking and lots of different spells in rehab. In fairness to him, um, you know, up to 2010, hospitalized then for a couple of weeks with um, alcohol-related pancreatitis. Um, he was trying to uh, detox um, and still, um, you know, do his bit and uh, play his part in the different seasons of uh, uh, Friends. But his appearance was drastically changing. And then it goes through all of the different years, 2001, the province in 2002, loads and loads of rehab. Uh, taking time out, um, 2011 then, uh, enjoying sobriety, trying to continue his life in recovery. Um, he says, please enjoy making fun of me on the World Wide Web. Uh, I suppose he was trying to phase up to the fact that maybe he knew that because of his fame that people would be saying things, so he addressed it full on. Uh, he set up Perry House in Massachusetts, uh, a sober living home for men in Malibu, and it goes through then up to 2018 and 2021 and 22 and and 23, actually 22, when he released his memoirs, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Uh, and then uh, the fact that he said that I shouldn't be here. Doctors said it only a 2% chance of surviving. And he did, but sadly not uh, this year when he died at the age of 54. Uh, an apparent drowning after law enforcement found him passed out 
in his jacuzzi. It's awfully sad. For anybody that may be struggling from the conversation this morning, always remember that uh, the Samaritans are available on 116-123-116-123. Friday was a very busy day, lads, with regards to um, the jazz, but on Thursday I had been talking with Jackie about her sister. You recall those conversations I had uh, with Jackie regarding her sister and the issues in her sister's life and the fact that the family are, are heartbroken and are trying to help her to sort her life about. I'll be returning to that story again tomorrow because um, Seamus was telling me over the weekend that there will be some medical intervention uh, at some stage. It possibly will be even today uh, for Jackie's sister to help uh, to get her on the, on the right road and get her the help that she needs. So I'll return to that uh, on tomorrow's programme. But if you don't mind, and there's a lot of difficult leaning here, so just bear with me. If you don't mind, I'm going to talk to Sarah Toomey, who joins me by phone. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. Um, you're quoted as being at breaking point. Why? My beautiful 15-year-old autistic son. Matthew. Has, has come through many um, crises over the last 18 months. And now we are, we are, we have spent the last 48 hours in the CUH A&E because we had to remove him from his home for his own safety and other people's safety mm. and for his, and his welfare. Mm. Um, when you say for his safety and others, is it that the, he might have the misfortune because of his condition had a bit of a meltdown? Um, yes, so he has severe autism and anybody who deals with that would know. Um how hyped up their nervous systems can be a lot of the time. And so we we have a lot of um, meltdowns and, and um, dysregulation. That can lead to dangerous situations, yeah. essentially for him and yeah. everybody and else. for others and those around him, because he can't control yeah. his emotions in that regard. Yeah. And um, it- He tries so hard, Neil. He tries. I watch him trying. You know, he's aware... But he's he's trying, you know, but he, he doesn't fully understand what's going on around him either, you know, but it, it's gone beyond what could be tolerable for my son. You know, he needs help, but he needs help and, and the family. And it's gone past. In Cork Bureau Bure reporting that there was some issue regarding his dad, as, as in your, your husband had to be rushed. His father is ill in, yeah. the, in the ICU at the moment. He's unaware of what's, what's going on. Okay. He's intubated, Chris Cleal. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so sorry Thank to you. hear that. Okay. Um, yeah. I hope you'll be okay. Of course. Thank yeah. you, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, was Matthew, was your son aware? Was he aware of that? And, and was that one of the reasons why um, he had a meltdown? Um, well, so, so Matthew is nonverbal, so he can't communicate to us if he's aware of it or not. But he lives in the, ho- he lives in the house with his father being sick, you know. And he's, he knows his father has is absent now. Okay. And he thinks his father has gone to visit his, his grandmother in Bulgaria. He's like struggling with Bulgarian. that. He is, but even when dad is there, it's, it's intolerable. Have you, you had know? a lot of ambulance visits because of his condition? So this is his fourth ambulance call out in the last seven weeks. Um... Why, what would lead you to call the what would lead you to call the ambulance when, when, when you read what at what, at what point so, do you call an ambulance so we have um like we, i decide if he breaks a window if he hurts himself more than superficially if he hurts someone else more than superficially or if he's repeatedly superficially hurting himself or someone else if he if he does something with electrics, if he does something with fire, if he does something with gas or water. Any of that can happen or all of that can happen? 
it has happened. I heard it could happen multiple times a day. Yeah. And does he do harm Ma- to himself? Matthew, Matthew is capable. Matthew goes through cycles. Matthew is capable of being a very happy, content boy. And he was for many years, but not for the last 18 months. And we've been trying to manage it. You know, we have we have puberty. We have all of the issues around the autism and when they can't tell you they're in pain or all that kind of stuff. So he's it, 15 it, now, so he is going through puberty and he's going through all sorts of well emotional it, changes. Yeah. yeah, isn't yeah. it true? Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. so yeah. like, you know, you, you have multi, it's, it's multi-factor, but he is very complex. But So he's non-verbal, so he can't explain to us what he's perceiving. Well, listen, I've heard it all before with other parents who go through similarities to your good self. So on Sunday, this would be, this. when when was this? This was... Sunday this, morning. Yeah. The ambulance brought him, what, to the A&D? Yeah. To protect himself the, and to protect That's the, the only place that they can bring a person in that, in, in that situation. Okay. So you accompanied? Pardon? Did you accompany him? Of course, I haven't left the left the hospital since that since that time. I haven't been home. I haven't been to see my partner. So his, when was his, his when was this was this I, I, Sunday daytime? Morning. Okay. And what has happened since Sunday morning? Matthew is being contained in an unsuitable room in, in the A and E, with constant supervision and care, including security care workers. Myself, he can't leave the room because he's. Because the environment that he stepped into was too chaotic. Yeah, it's very busy. Yeah, yeah. That he's would a flight not risk. Yeah. yeah, he's a flight risk. And so technically, you know, the room is unsuitable. We've tried to adapt it, and, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not fully adapted. So um, there has to be people with him all the time, not one person, people. Okay, so yesterday I did see some photographs. I don't have them in front of me now, but did I see blankets on the ground? Did I see kind of a mattress yes, on the ground? So, so we sleeping took the bed out. That was the, that was a, a bed is provided, of course, Neil, at the hospital. Yeah. We took the decision to remove the bed frame out and put mattresses on the floor. You know, so I know it looked, that part looks awful. It does, yeah, but why but would he, you have felt you had to have do to, that? We have, we have to do that at home. You know, he, he, has a, he has an adapted bed, which is a bed base, a very low base, like a futon base with a big mattress. Because, um, well, I, I suppose especially with hospital beds, um, he, he can break them. They're hard. He can push it across the room at someone. He can jump from it. He can get in under it and, and put his fingers into an electric socket. You know, so the decision was made to take the bed out. That's, that, that's, a, that's nothing. That's good. No, right? no I understand the reasons why now. I really and truly yeah. do. Yeah, it's a yeah. safety precaution. Yeah. It really is, but so so it's it's far from ideal. But since Sunday, that's where he's been. Um, yeah. Did did did, did, he, did he receive medication or anything to calm him, or is that normal protocol or, or what? Hello. Yeah, I'm just wondering um, with regards to the medics at the A and D, what kind of intervention have they done? Okay. Uh, not happening, unfortunately. I think we probably will get uh, Sarah back at some stage. I'll just take a break, see if I can clean this up, and uh, uh, and because I'm keen to hear exactly what she wants to happen. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just wondering, Sarah, what do you want to happen next to help? What would be ideal? So obviously, my son needs to be removed from the COHA and E to a facility, a place, or whatever you want to call it, that 
can cater for his needs and help him to be his happy self again. Okay, where would where that he's be? he's not in danger. Where would that be? No, I'm asking you because I know that there'll be other parents listening go through the exact same scenarios you are going through so, regularly and they're so, probably asking what can be done to make it better. So we've gone past um, the idea that home care would help. You know, we have to go further than that now. We're looking at possibly, you know, respite in the interim, depending on spacing, and then something more permanent to help him to, to you know, become the best young man that, is, that, that he has inside him. Okay, a, n- a new chapter in his life with the best care possible, but that yes, would not with, be... With my, with my heart absolutely breaking. That I, I was going to ask it. you that. It's an awful decision absolutely. for a mother to have to... Yeah, you can't... I want... I don't, I don't want this for my son. I, I, I'm not at the point... I'm ready to let my son, my son go, but I have I have to for his sake. Yeah. My heart is at, I am terrorized, Neil. It's absolutely terrorizing. My beautiful baby from years of lack of health for his needs, and with all the will in the world, I, I could do the work of a hundred mothers in one day, and that's what I have been doing, and I will continue to do it. But it's not safe. It's, it's not going different. to help him. For me to continue trying like this yeah, by I know, myself. I know, I know, I know. And as he's getting older, of course, um, for you know, you know, the teenage years that he can't manage or cope or understand yes. what he's going through, that's leading yes. to an awful lot more stressful emotion, yes. isn't it? It's exponentially more difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what kind of help has he been getting here to for? Um, has he had any day services? No. So eighteen eighteen months ago, everything fell apart. He had access to respite once a month. And and we tried that for about four or five years. It, it, it was okay for him. He didn't really like separating from the family home, but it wasn't suitable for him anyhow. You know, the, the, not the people, they're great. The physical environment where, where it was situated where, wasn't... Uh, and was the, wasn't was, the res, was the respite public, it was? In a public facility? It would be through COPE Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So COPE, wouldn't, would COPE be an option for the next chapter of his life? I know it's awfully tragic to even say I that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I've spoken to the social worker in the CUH this morning. I had to wait all weekend, obviously, because people were, you know, weren't working. And so now the book is passing to disability services. Disability services now are the people who have to try and figure this out. And the social worker in the CUH is trying to organise okay. Okay. a very prompt Zoom call Okay. With all the relevant parties for that. Well, fingers crossed that something happens there, but going home is not an option, you're saying, at this stage, for the reasons you've already outlined. At the moment, with my son inside in that room in the CUH, and I can't blame the CUH, they're not a facility for dealing with neurodiverse people with complex needs. They are doing their best. But this is a child's welfare issue now. And this is a child's welfare issue that disability services have on their shoulders now. And do you worry about when? Do you worry about when he turns eighteen? Because then he'll be deemed an adult, and a lot of the services that it should be available now won't be available at all. Then, well, Neil, you know that was that was a path I was going to have to to cross, like at the point. But I live from day to day, Neil. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. When you're in crisis, you live from hour to hour. Even I, I'm living from half an hour to half an hour here. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but of course, yes, I, yes. any parent on this road will tell you that when they hit 18, you know, the, the transition is difficult and you have to start from scratch. But, you know, my son is 15 now and, and everything has fallen apart, so I can't even think ahead to 18. 
He can't come home at 18 either. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he can't be home at 15, he can't be home at 18. You know what I mean? And it's a very sad decision for any parents to have to do for their beautiful son that they love so much. I know there will be a lot of people listening right now who may be able to offer advice, but um, this is about highlighting his plight and hopefully that something good will come out of it. But I'd imagine I'll get others who have been through similar scenarios and it would be good to hear their advice or what they did, okay? Yeah. Yeah, you see, the best case scenario for somebody like my son Matthew would be that it would be a very smooth transition to, to care, let's say. Yeah. You know, and that's the way it can work for some people. You know, that, that the, the, the young part, the child and the young person has had access to enough respite and separation from the family home over the years that they were happy with, that there might be a smooth transition when they get to their 20s or whatever it is. Yeah, I know. And yeah. that's the case for many people. But that's not the case for us now. Yeah, I know. The way you so find many people that you're referring to there, you know, would say my son was very happy and he worked out fine, but my son is, is distressed now. You know what I mean? From from everything. No, and I have no, and with that, I'm not taking mm-hmm. from your own situation by any mm-hmm. virtue. But I, I have heard of others who have been living in similar situations with a child, of course, yeah. similar ages, and they're worried about him and his health and safety, but also their own. They're they're actually afraid in the home, and I think you are too. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I am, Neil. Okay. Let me let me let me come back to this, and I know that I will get some advice from other people who've been through similar scenarios. Do stay in touch, though, with regards to what happens in the coming hours. You'll be hearing. Thanks, Sarah. Hashtag help, Matthew. Okay. Well done. Do stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Back after ten, lads. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six if you if you think you may be able to help or point uh, Sarah and the family in the right direction, or you've been through a similar scenario. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We're back after ten. Talk to Neil. Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. All right, I want to go downtown, talk to Margot Ann Murphy down at the Rowdy Food in the English Market. Um, Margot, good morning. Good morning, Neil, from the English Market. And can I just say, thank you so much. You have absolutely hammered my Instagram page this morning with all sorts of wonderful Halloween-y treats and stories, including, where do I begin? Let's begin with the toffee apple tradition. Who's making your toffee apples? Okay, all I can say about the toffee apple tradition, Mary from Mayfield is making my toffee apples. And as you know, in days gone by, Toffee apple making is an art in itself, never to be forgotten. There was fierce rivalry from the north side of the city <laughs> to the south side of the city. Who could make the best toffee apple? Actually, we all know the answer to that. It was always the north side. Always. That's where I oh always got them God, as a I'm kid. I was by up the north side. It was always the north side. And then you had the double deckers. Do you remember the buses long ago, the double deckers? Well, the toffee apples were the double deckers. You know, one apple on top of the other. The toffee apples were all about Halloween. Best course, toffee apples were in Blackpool, uh-huh. just to be honest with you. Beautiful. There's, 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 there, was this, there was this woman down one of the side lanes and she used to sell the toffee, apple, toffee apples out her front window. That's <laughs> right, that's right. And Neil, do you know what? Like at the English market, Halloween was actually one of the busiest times of the year if you were in the fruit business like we, were, like we are. And like Halloween long ago was all about fruit. It was all really about the apples and it was all about swing the apple, put a, you know, put whatever, 10 or 20 pence into it at the time or whatever, or the apple in the base in the water. And I suppose then it was also um, the exotic fruits then were considered to be like monkey nuts or coconuts. Like in those times, we were carving the turnip. Oh, God. We did were, you, we did you ever actually try to do that, though, carve a turnip? 
Oh, I did it. It was fantastic. Great. Oh, God time. almighty. It's a dose by comparison to just scooping out a pumpkin. You know, you can, you can understand why people would go for the pumpkin. great times. So there was no sweets. And then if you got a few bob trick-or-treating as well as the fruit, you'd head to the chipper for your bag of chips and salt and vinegar and a can of Coke. But come here. <laughs> Don't forget the barn brack. The barn brack is like going to, going to a fortune teller. Yeah. You know what? You'd be hope you get the slice with the ring. Sure, you know, if you got the slice of the ring, that was the sign you're getting married. The pea. I'm not so sure. But that's the no, I don't. I don't mean to be a whinger now, right? But you can get bambracks now that have nothing in them, and others nothing. then that only have the ring. There's no stick. Nothing. There's no rag. There's no pea, and there's no bean. You see, that's why you've to come into the English market. We've a famous bambrack. It's a prize winner by the Cork Examiner. I tell you this much now: it's bursting with fruit. What's in it? It's bambrack of the year. It has the ring, the pea, the rag. Loads of fruitless. You'd swim the Irish Sea after a slice of our barn brack at the Rooty. Because I got somebody bought me an Aldi barn brack the back end of last week. I'm not talking about them, no, dog. No, but hold on, no. I I mean, they're always winning awards, I have to say, but unfortunately, I have to give their barn brack a thumbs down because it was very dry, and the only way I could get any bit of taste out of it was toasting it and spreading butter on it. It was fine then, but it had one ring in it. What was the what's the significance of, say, for instance, the rag well I suppose the rag like I suppose if you got the rag no I'd run a mile, mile if I was going out with some fella because that's a sign of being poor so just run a mile you'd be hoping now you get the pea or maybe or the stick as well absolutely get rid of that fella it was all about the ring okay and well listen, what was the, the stick for well, I suppose you could have a hard life with that fellow you were with, like, so just that was a pure sign. Get rid of him straight away. Do you and know what like we that. used to think? We were told as kids, and we were told this, that if you got the stick, it meant that you'd beat your wife or your wife would be beaten by a husband. Isn't it an awful Absolutely. cruel thing to be saying to children, like? Absolutely, but I suppose, you, you know, look, that's the way it was. And then, like, you have to think of, you know, like, it was all about the apples and the barn brack, but then we also made our own costumes. We made them out of the black bags. I'd be killed enough for saying that, but you know, it's true. We made them out of sheets. And those of us that were posh and lucky enough to go to Woolworths, I don't know if anyone remember Woolworths, I'm showing my age here now, I on Street. Yeah. And if you can remember, like, the masks actually weren't plastic. They were kind of cardboard, if you remember long ago, the masks. Ah, for God's sake, woman! We were we were talking on air last week. You would take you would take the biggest side of the cornflakes box, cornflakes box, right. and you would cut it out. You would draw some kind of a scary face on it, cut it out of the cardboard from the cornflakes box, and then punch two holes in it, put a bit of string, and stick it on your face. Brilliant! So come here, guys. Come in here if you can. To the English market, the best barn brack in Ireland. Plenty pumpkins, monkey nuts, candy apples from Mayfield. So. <laughs> it's all about Halloween here at the market today. Have you got plenty to go around? Plenty stuff, yeah. plenty stuff. So come in here now if you can and support us and keep the tradition of Halloween going going on. And Neil, it is very important really to remember those ladies. Those ladies, a lot of those ladies were making a few bob on the side and they made them for everybody living in the surrounding areas, the north side of the city, the south side of the city. And those apple makers, like they had an art in themselves, so never to be forgotten the tradition of the toffee apple maker I, I, I hear tell that Michal Martin goes into every year and buys your oh, famous barn ha- brack does he? we have Michal Martin coming in for the barn brack I don't think that was looking for the ring but sure <laughs> I don't know he's happy and, enough uh, there toffee apples yeah he was in on Saturday he's a regular shopper at the market I may say so 
This is not a political. No, he, he, he loves his, he loves the market the and he loves the country markets. I often see him down in Douglas does, buying up loads of fruit and veg. And and look, we're just promoting the local produce. We don't care about your colour or creed. Everybody is welcome at the English okay. market. All right, okay. Um, what about what about a gluten free barn brack? Have you one of them? I don't have any gluten-free barn brack now. I cannot get into that discussion because I don't. Go elsewhere. All are bursting with fruit and anyway, fantastic ingredients. You'd be able to walk her in two after a slice of ice. <laughs> Everest, maybe. Ooh, I got to go I gotta try that out. Anyway, good luck. Enjoy the day Thanks that's in it, Margot. Take care of yourself. Happy Halloween. Thank Happy you. Happy Halloween is right. So uh, what, what do we know then about the ring, the pea, the stick and the cloth? The cloth would be poverty. They're all gone now. You'd be lucky just to get the ring at all. Is that health and safety or is, are, they, are they deemed to be choking hazards, lads, or what? Uh, the, in, if I just rack on my brain, I think the pea was the pea poverty um, was the P poverty I think um, I can't remember I know the ring was that you'd get married within within a calendar year or something but anyway let, let you yeah, the, the rag was poverty so was the P or the bean wealth then in modern day terms that you'd win that you'd oh maybe the P was that you wouldn't be getting married anyway can you do you have a list of them I mean you're probably going to be the modern day version but I'm trying to think of what we used to think of it at the time I know what the stick was explained that the, the rag was poverty Yeah. The, the ring was that you would get married what was the other two the uh, P and the bean the P was it says the P uh, was generally to be considered an unfortunate item as it was supposed to, supposed to predict that the finder would not be getting married anytime soon, if ever, if ever. But um, as as the website says here, a lot of people in the modern day would probably be very happy with that. <laughs> they never have to get tied down. But yeah, uh, that's supposed to be unfortunate. Back in the day, it's all about marriage. It's around like wealth and basically marriage and wealth. That seems to be essentially what the barn brack. Okay, kind I'm of talk to Shane Lehan. What was the other one you were looking for? The stick was it the stick or the the. the the, I think we covered all the other ones, yeah. um, but it makes it makes no difference because they're not in there anymore. They're just not there. Well, anymore. it seems it seems that uh, people like Margot Anne are keeping the traditional life, True which enough. is great. Yeah. But I know in the supermarket ones, I, I think they do still have the ring, but it's in like a piece of plastic, isn't it? So that you, you can't choke I on them. I don't know. Joe Duffy was on there a week ago, or somebody was certainly on that. They got a in one of the multiples. I can't remember which one that they got a barn bag, and there was nothing in it. Nothing in it. Nothing. Nothing. Actually, that's just a piece of fruit loaf. But maybe, what's the point maybe the, you can maybe just the fear is that you give it to a small child and they choke seriously like no I seriously but if you were very, if you were genuinely afraid of that then you just cut them a slice and just see what's inside it it's <laughs> still the slice that they're going to get you can just take out whatever's inside it before well, they choke sure themselves they don't on get it, it. Oh. alright okay we'll be coming back to all of these stories and remember we have afternoon tea as well so that we, we get some great stories two on spooky there. afternoon teas but I can't guarantee any ring filled barn brack in that but they are, they are, they are damn good okay let's much. get them going so I'll also talk to Shane Lehan the folklorist and I'll be talking to some pagan from West Cork as well because I just mentioned remember when I was talking to Cecily last week the author of the book Cures of Ireland um, she grew up in County Sligo and she was telling us all sorts of stories in her new book and she mentioned uh, Cures there was an awful lot of others that I didn't get to at the time and this is probably the season for it when you think of things and you you know recall the cures of yesteryear and people who still have cures baldness um, to cure baldness you'd rub the head with a raw onion uh, bed wetting give the child a teaspoon of honey at bedtime apparently that could come in handy don't know if it works or not any kind of a bruise you put raw meat on it I think we all know that that was something that boxers always did car sickness pick mint bruise the mint and just keep it in the car other ones then 
suffering with cholesterol. The old cure for that was spring nettle tea, as in nettles picked at springtime. Uh, a cold sore. This is amazing. These are one of the, I don't know what you call them, but Pushog, obviously a cure from Ireland in yesteryear. Cold sores. Rub a gold wedding ring around it or rub the cold sore with a dock leaf. Those dock leaves were mighty magic because you used to use them as kids if you were ever stung by nettles or you, you fell into a bunch of nettles. Gout, eat parsley or nettle soup. Hair growth, wash your hair or what you have of it with nettle tea. Do you see how nettles feature an awful lot in an awful lot of the different cures that they talk about? For somebody after hard at it over the long weekend, a hangover, eat some honey and drink lots of water. We all know about the lots of water. For others, though, it would be a Big Mac and fries and maybe a bottle of Lucasade. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Neil, all right, Neil, you mentioned the brawl that took place on Saturday night in the Roadstone Park Hotel. Myself and my friends, unfortunately, were sitting at the table behind where the fight occurred originally. It started with two men at the bar and then the place erupted. All I can remember is seeing a man step out of the crowd at the bar and he threw a Bulmer's bottle at the men sitting at the table behind us. The way the room was laid out, we just couldn't get away. They were throwing chairs and we were blocked between the chairs, the table and the men fighting behind us. I've never experienced such savage behaviour in my life and I don't say this lightly when I say I'm traumatised by what I went through. Unfortunately, myself and my friends are all in these videos that are online because of where we were sitting. It was probably five minutes, but it felt like hours. We just couldn't get away from it. And after a while, it felt like an eternity. I was able to get down at the room and away from it. While all this was going on, they were still shouting over the sound system that they would continue with the game. I was shaking from head to toe and couldn't wait to get as far away as possible. As we were leaving, there was blood, glass, earrings, clothes all over the floor. Outside the hotel, I've seen videos of that as well, it was just as bad, the fighting. We were lucky that we only have a few bruises. At one stage, I was trying to get over the table with my hands over my head because I thought I was going to be hit with a chair. What made the situation worse was that there were about seven or eight security guards and they couldn't seem to do anything to stop it. I've never felt so unsafe in all my life. When I saw online that two were arrested and two were brought to hospital, I couldn't and don't believe just that. There were well over half a dozen really injured and the way and way more than that should have been arrested and more taken to hospital. Being honest, I feel like it's a miracle. I only walked away with bruises. It's a miracle that someone wasn't killed. It'll be a very long time before I ever go to anything like that again. I'm sitting in work now and I still can't believe what I witnessed and went through. I've been asked all day too if I was the girl in the background of the videos. Thanks for reading the text. I won't be able to come on air as I'm at work. There's another one. I've been waiting all weekend to hear what people had to say about Saturday night and Bingo Loco. I was there and it was honestly one of the most frightening nights I've ever experienced. The night was going so well, it started so well and everyone was having so much fun. Then, um, within a split second... The night descended into absolute chaos. It was unbelievable. It wasn't just two lads having a fist fight. It was gangs coming from everywhere. Tables were knocked. Chairs were being thrown. Glasses and bottles were being thrown across the room. I can't describe, Neil, how barbaric it actually was. You'd have to see it to believe it. I was being served at the bar when it all kicked off. 
and I had to hide behind a pillar to avoid by being hit by flying bottles. This was all before 10pm. So the night came to an abrupt end. The bar was closed and the guardie were called. But the fighting continued outside. I feel sorry for the staff and the guardie who had to try and deal with it all. Nothing was going to stop them. I honestly thought afterwards that a fire hose would have been the appropriate thing to break it up. Turn on the hose as the guards seemed to barely make a dent in them. It was just unbelievable. The majority of people just wanted to have a good night. It was ruined by the few who couldn't control themselves. What a disaster and what a disgrace. I hope I never, ever see the like of it again. And there are others like then about the Rochestown event uh, and the extent of the violence down there and many questioning why people react like that. What is it? that kicks them off in that way. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106 on Matthew Perry and his death and indeed friends. I absolutely loved friends. In fact, I still do. Not a day goes by when myself and my husband don't use a friend's reference from the show. It was a super show. Matthew Perry was a comedic genius. And just one more. Uh, It's very sad to hear of the passing of Matthew Perry. Personally, I never liked Friends. It was just too American for me. And I'm surprised the current cancel culture that it hasn't been cancelled itself. All white actors and nobody representing the LGBT communities, says Anthony by text to 0868 104 106. Thank you for those texts. I'll come back to them. But a busy morning phone-wise. And don't forget, spooky stories, lads. Afternoon tea. Halloween afternoon tea to be won at the Cork International Hotel. But Abdullah is online one. He joins me by phone. Abdullah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, you've got Selino's, Selena's Bistro in Middleton. You, I know it was bad, but that fire could have been a hell of a lot worse, couldn't it? Uh, it is absolutely could be a hell worse. Uh, as uh, We're very lucky, to be honest, that uh, the staff and uh, they were here. Uh, so they evacuated the building so fast. Uh, but if it was in the night time, we were absolutely in trouble. Was it, were you closed at the time or were you serving? Were you, were no, you we were still serving customers, to be honest. It's around 7 o'clock in the evening. Where did it start, uh, Abdullah? Look, I looked at the start, video and there's a blaze up on the higher building. Yeah, it's a certain office. Uh, it's an overheated computer, believe it or not. An uh, overheated so, computer? Yes, the computer is overheated. So it started the fire, which is a spark, and just started, you know, the files and the papers around. Uh, oh, the my God. Can that happen? Like, is that like, was that, yeah. the, was that the cable or the lead going into the socket or what? It is, it is the DC itself. PC yeah. itself overheated. God. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what the, uh, the guys, they said, the firefighter, but to be honest, uh, it's just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, but look. There's a fan in them, though, isn't it? I know. Maybe there is a fan. There is a fan. Uh, to be honest, I switch them off every night before I go home. Uh, I finish work. Uh, that day, I was planning to go home early, and I was doing some work, and I left it on. Uh, but as everyone else, he leave the computers on for days, like, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Uh, we need so, to know these kind of things because uh, yeah, people yeah, need to yeah, learn yeah. that this could happen to them. But anyway, uh, Fire Brigade called. They got it out, thank God. They were so quick. So I just really want to thank the firefighters for uh, their quick response, to be honest. It was unbelievable. Uh, so it's amazing how they were so fast. Uh, the staff as well here... They were unbelievable to evacuate the building so fast uh, and the customers. Uh, 
I just really want to thank the firefighters, first of all, the it's staff, yeah, yeah. the community, the amount of messages I get and the amount of messages uh, in my phone and uh, WhatsApp. And it's amazing. And the support uh, from the community in Middleton here. I think uh, we went through uh, a lot during uh, uh, in the last few yeah, weeks. And, and I know that you won't say this, but um, you were incredibly generous to people, Abdullah. You gave free food to the people of Middleton during the floods. Um, it was it was a wonderful gesture on your behalf. Many others did it, but I'm just acknowledging your role as well. Well done, because well, people needed help and you gave it. Thank you. But look, you know what, uh, Neil, the community, they support every single businesses. Uh, they support me, and that's not only that's, well, it's something that we have to give back. I believe uh, look after your people, people look after you, you know, and uh, the community and yeah. Middleton needed needed help. And as my kitchen was open, uh, that's the only way I can help with it. So, and I know a lot of people lost their homes. They can't cook, and they can't cook. Uh, they have no kitchen. Uh, so look, uh, this is the way we do uh, Myself, my culture, where I come from. You're from Jordan. Look after. You're from Jordan. I am originally, I am originally Palestinian, but I born in Jordan right. and grew up in Jordan. Oh my God, your heart must be breaking for Palestine. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, it's heartbreaking. Like my, uh, I have still uh, cousins and uh, uncles in Palestine, but they are in West Bank, so uh, they are in a better situation than Gaza. It's the West Bank, I know. It's not connected to the Gaza Strip, yeah. but but nonetheless, what's happening in the Gaza Strip, there are just so many deaths. It's just tragic. Yeah. It's appalling, it is, isn't it? It is, it is absolutely appalling. It's a devastating looking uh, at uh, the videos and the pictures that uh, they send us. It's just... Uh, horrendous as we say. I know, well our thoughts are with yeah. you and your family and friends I, 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 was in, I was in Jordan actually a couple of years back in Petra and Wadi Rum and the Dead it's Sea a, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful country. country isn't it the most beautiful it, country? It is absolutely amazing, it's a, absolutely amazing, like uh, I love Petra, I, I actually visited Petra a few times but I work. I worked in Jordan for a long time as well uh, but, Beautiful uh, people, is one the friendliest the, of people One of the seven wonders, absolutely. It, and I would highly recommend Jordan as a holiday destination destination to people it's, just it's very peaceful it's very peaceful so uh, it's secure it's yeah. there's nothing to worry about anyway uh, there's and a lot of people they think it's uh, no it's not it's a beautiful through, country it's very safe uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and we stayed out in the Wadi Rum Desert actually in one of those kind of nomadic beautiful. tents it was the most gorgeous camping, night huh? it's, oh, camping, gorgeous. Yeah. it's gorgeous and tell me do, do you, are you cooking Palestinian food in Middleton I, I cook I have a Middle Eastern uh, restaurant which is a kind of I have Palestinian dishes uh, with an Irish twist as we say so there is, if you want, if you want Middle Eastern food, I have, and if you want fish and chips on a stick, I do have it as well. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd encourage people to check out. Do you get open again? Do you get open fairly rapidly? I'm absolutely. Neil, I'm a fighter. I don't quit that easy. So I was opening uh, within the second day. So I spent the night cleaning up and just keeping an eye on the place. Good man. And I was opening uh, last. Yeah, well, yesterday. Well done. Well done. Yesterday. Continued success. Lovely yeah. chatting with you, Abdullah. It's a pleasure catching Likewise, up with you. Likewise, and thanks again. And just to mention the firefighters well uh, and the staff and the community in Middleton. Uh, thank you very much. 
for everything you've done for me in the last few years. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Appreciate Lovely it. guy. Good Mind day. yourself. Take care, Cheers. Abdullah. Thank Take you. care, appreciate my friend. And he did wonderful things during the period of flooding and all of the help that people needed down in Middleton. He wasn't found wanting. Do you remember I was talking last week as well uh, that Daniel Toomey, the Sinn Féin councillor down in Middleton, also went above and beyond and everybody was complimenting her. She worked 24-7 to help those within her community. I heard over the weekend... Uh, that she has decided that she's not going to run another term. Uh, for now, she's quitting politics. We'll catch up with her next. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Councillor Daniel Toomey, Sinn Féin, Councillor for Cork East. Good morning to you. Good morning, Neil. I have to say, uh, everybody in East Cork was praising your work and your dedication following the floods. You were 24-7. Uh, at it for the homes and the businesses you got stuck into the rescue you got stuck into the clean up people said actually to me on a number of occasions that if you'd run for the doll following your performance in Middleton during the floods uh, you would be elected such was your commitment and then we hear that you've had enough and you've said you will not run again why? Yeah look I, I think I've been kind of feeling for a while that I I need to take a step back from politics. Like I've always loved the activism and I love getting involved in the community and getting stuck in. I love that part of it. I suppose sometimes the politics of, you know, there is a toxicity of towards, you know, the the, the politics <laughs> in it. And um, I don't know, I just kind of feel like now is the time. I've given eight years to it and... Like a lot, I've missed out on a lot of stuff with my kids and I kind of just feel like now is the time maybe just to take a step back and, you know, devote my time to them. Yeah, I, I can come back to that aspect of it in a moment if you're okay with that. But I just have to kind of dig a little bit deeper into perhaps some of the reasons that you've eventually said you can take no more about the, of this because you've spoken and you've written about social media harassment, email harassment, uh-huh. These are allegations of harassment, uh, vicious lies being said against you. You said this has led you to feel afraid, unsafe. You sent a file yeah. to Angarda Shikana. Uh, you suffer with stress, upset and fear. It would seem to an onlooker that whatever has been happening and these things that you say have been happening to you uh, have taken its toll so much so that you have decided you can take no more. Well, I think that has kind of, that kind of set everything off for me. I kind of started to lose the love for the job after that. You know, that happened, that it started quite, you know, a, a few months ago and I think it was very heavily publicized what happened. But I suppose there was other things ongoing as well within the party. You know, that issue in particular and what I had been experiencing around that time I was then, you know, found out that there was actually a member of my party that was kind of driving that. Now they're not a member of the party anymore. You know, it, it was kind of hurtful to, to to kind of feel that from... I suppose, look, in politics you're told to watch your back, but then 
you know, to to have to watch your back from some members of your own party, it was quite difficult. But is this, I mean, one of the, I know we've spoken since then, but we had a conversation uh, back around about March, uh, if you recall, regarding the St. Patrick's Day Parade. There was there was issues regarding, you know, fundraising and, and volunteers issues, so much so that the parade didn't happen as it should have happened yeah. in Middleton. Is, is that where all of this started? I suppose that's one element of it. There was so much else going on as well, even within the party. I suppose there's start, there was a certain group of members within my party that, you know, at every ass or every opportunity were undermining me. You know, I would meet new people within the party who who would have they would have had spoken to, and I I was beginning to kind of find out as I got to know, you know, new people within the party that things had been said about me that weren't true and rumours had been put out about me that weren't true one particular time I was at a clinic with a member and I was told that they were warned not to believe anything I say because I was a liar and this and that and the other and there was an awful lot awful lot that actually led me to make a formal complaint which took quite a while to to be dealt with but um, I suppose there is proper procedures and stuff that those people, those members have now since left the party. Yeah. So I'll, I'll never get resolved on that. So that was one element of it. You know, the, the stuff that happened around the St. Patrick's Day Parade, that was another element of it. Even now, there's still members of the party that I would, you know, go on social media and if, if somebody praised something that I did or work that I did, I would see like comments underneath it from members of the party, you know, undermining what I did or undermining me. And I suppose like the party were struggling to deal with this and trying to to reprimand it. And I don't know. I just think life life is too short. Yeah. Okay. Really. Okay. As as in, you think there there was a campaign against you to ultimately try and get you to resign your seat or as you've decided not as you've decided now not to run again so in lay people's eyes and the outside looking in on this it would seem that those who have been harassing you or bullying you or intimidating you have won well i i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that because i don't really know what they have what have, what have they gained from it i mean I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, I made the decision not solely based on what they've done, but for other reasons as well. And the main reason was, and always will be, that I want to spend more time with my family. It's not about whether they win or whether they lose. It's about what's best for me and what... I need to do for myself. Do you think that um, really, I, I hate cutting across you, but I'm, I'm just wondering because there really was genuinely so much praise for you from the people of Middleton for the very hard work and time and dedication that you put in. Maybe you're just literally exhausted and worn out from the effort of the last couple of weeks. that You might feel entirely different in a fortnight. No, I don't think so. I I have made, I, I have kind of had this decision made a a while a couple of weeks, a good few weeks before anything had happened in the last couple of Mm. weeks with the floods and everything like that and like what happened there is like I just went into autopilot I don't even know half of what I did or what happened, I just got stuck in, that's the person I am that's the person I'll always be nothing I've ever done has ever been for praise or for votes or anything like that, I just want to help 
but yeah. And have you have you have you have you children and a young family? Did did you miss out on much of their? I assume you have kids, and you've missed out on a lot of aspects of their young life. Is it? Yeah, like I missed out on my youngest first steps because I, I was actually on a radio interview at the time. I missed the first steps. I've missed matches. I've missed events. I've missed. I've missed a lot. But not only that, like. I'm I'm on the phone a lot, you know. The, a lot of my job is revolve, revolves around being on the phone or emails, so I'm constantly engaged in that. And I kind of feel like they've come second to the job for a long time, and I suppose I'm just not willing to do that to them anymore. And can I can I also just bring up that I heard in the past that other female politicians in Ireland and indeed in the UK say that politics can be a dangerous and a difficult place for women. Holly Kearns spoke of it recently. That is yeah. it any wonder that people, you know, can't get more women to run, strong women to run in politics. Ultimately, you have to leave up, leave a lot of your life on hold. I get it. But the whole, uh, you know, aspect of the, you know, the attacking or the bullying or the, the nastiness, is it is it more prevalent against women in politics online than men in politics online? I, f- I feel it is. I feel, I don't know why, but I, I don't know. I feel it is probably more prevalent towards women, but I also do feel that there is a very, very toxic undertone on social media to all politicians. So why don't whether- you ignore it then? Really, just don't go there. It's, it's that's a lot easier said than done, though. You know, I wish I could. I suppose. Do you, do you think you have to see what's being said on the likes of Facebook or X, formerly Twitter, or could you do your job just as effectively by ignoring, ignoring the harassment, ignoring the name calling, the lies, the bullying? Do you know what I mean? I I I would love to be able to. And I know that there's a lot of politicians that I work with that can do that and it probably makes them better at their job. But I just, I can't, I just can't do that. I don't know why. Maybe it's just something about me. Maybe I'm too soft. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But y- look. Y- yeah. But what but, but about the Garda Shikana, though? They, they have a responsibility in this. If you have and have said in the past that you feel unsafe, that you feel you have fear... Isn't that a Garda matter? It is, but unfortunately the legislation is very weak around this. It's very, very weak. And until that legislation, I know that there is new legislation coming forth. But until we see, you know, stronger legislation in terms of of that type of abuse, then there's not much they can do either. What can the higher echelons right up to the top of the Sinn Féin party do? You know, from Mary Lou MacDonald all the way down. If if the Gardaí's hands are somewhat tied, as you suggest, surely there's a responsibility at national level. I mean, are, are they aware of what you've been saying and what you've been experiencing? Yep. Absolutely. And to be honest, the party have been very supportive of me. As, you know, the party have been supportive of me in, in all of the issues that I had faced. I suppose, like, at the end of the day, I don't blame the party for what has happened. There is a certain... a few individuals within my party that just act a certain way and it has affected me uh, not just affected me but it's also affected people I work with and it's made kind of our our job, my job and it's kind of made their involvement a little bit of a misery I think that the the party do struggle at local level with conflict resolution a little bit Mm. but 
that's not to say that they haven't tried their best. I can't actually fault them in that regard because it's not their fault. They're not responsible for the behaviour of a small cohort of people. They're trying to do things the right way and trying to kind of resolve things fairly by listening to both sides. But then it just... You know, it just, it kind of... Well, but are you, when, when you say both sides, you're saying that there is another side to it and I'm just hearing yours because if there, if you have evidence of what's been allegedly happening to you, you, you should present that to, you know, if there's a toxic undertone in, in Sinn Féin, East Cork. I have. Yeah, well, I have. Well, then... I've made, and I've gone through the proper procedures. I've made formal complaints and I, I have, I've done all this. You know, so it's not to say that, like, but uh, the the members, the the few members that were, you know, that were causing all these issues have now left the party. So what can the party do? But they still continue with this campaign against you, although not members of Sinn Féin. Yeah. So are you you finished with politics? You potentially could have won a doll seat? I mean, or is this just time out? It's it's time out. Um, It's time out. Look... My intention was never to, to, to run for the doll anyway. My kids are too small. That was never something that was my in my, never something I had considered. Not for a very long time. I couldn't bear to be away from my children for four to five days of the week, be in Dublin, Leinster House. It, maybe if I lived closer to Dublin, I'd consider it. But I just want to take a step back. I want to try and do something different for a few years. And I'll still be involved in politics. I'll still, you know, be working in the background. But... I, I I just want to try and do something different for a while. And could that be a word of warning to other young people who potentially might want to get into local politics and then maybe on to a national level, particularly if they're young and, you know, without wanting to be sexist about it, uh, say women who want to get into politics? Is it a warning? No, it's not a warning. It's not because what I've experienced is not what everybody experiences. So it's not a warning. And, like, we certainly need more women in politics. But I suppose I've just, um, because it, it, it's not an easy job for somebody with small children. It really isn't. So I suppose because of that, I've probably found it a little bit more difficult than, than maybe other women who who may not have children or who may have older children. Okay. You know? Okay. And uh, as a young woman with young children, do you have plans now for the next step in your life? Yeah, just, you know, I spend as much time at home with my family as I can and, you know, maybe get a, a nine to five. <laughs> okay. So okay. we'll see. Okay, well, let's watch with interest on your next move. But Danielle, thanks for taking the call and good luck with whatever that may be. Okay, thanks, Neil. Thanks a million. Sad loss of politics, though, at the same time, isn't it? And did great work over the uh, the flood issue, uh, Daniel Toomey. Incidentally, I wish her the best of luck going forward, whatever she decides uh, to do. There is a big gig on to uh, aid those that were affected by the Middleton flood and the flood uh, funds that they gain from a big music festival that's happening will be distributed amongst local charities down there. And the event happens on Sunday, uh, the 5th of November. It's from 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock. I'm doing the afternoon to 8pm. It's a big music festival. 
uh, down around there. Paddy Casey's playing the Frank and Walters, John Spillane, Mickey Joe Hart, Stephanie Rainey, George Murphy, the Hollies. Lots more besides Sparkle will be down there. The great Derek Burke, DJ Aaron Staunton, August Walk and Red FM are media sponsors for there'll be loads of entertainment, lots of food stalls on the day as well. And all of the money raised goes to local charities, including St. Vincent de Paul. It's at the Middleton GAA Club uh, on Sunday. And I'll tell you more about that as we head through the week that's in it. Kids, DJ and entertainment as well. So an awful lot happening. But from one event that will happen at the weekend, I say, to one that happened over the weekend. Susan, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I won't keep you long. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I was chatting there, reading out some texts about Bingo Loco Saturday night at the RPH, but you were there. What did you witness? Well, it kicked off out of nowhere, Neil. We were, you know, enjoying our night and we just looked over and what I saw, there was a guy with his shirt whipped and a few others and they were kicking the hell out of some person that was on the ground. It was only when I saw the video later from the other side that I realised it was a woman was on the ground. I, I couldn't even see there were so many around kicking her, you know. Um, it was just vicious. Absolutely vicious. See, I saw videos from inside and also a lot of fighting going on outside, outside which would be the yeah. back entrance to the con- conference centre at the RPH. Yeah, Wasn't that where yeah. it, was? Um, it was? And I have to say, there was as many women and young girls fighting Absolutely. as there were young guys. Absolutely. And, you know, there was no discrimination in that the men were hitting the women and the women were hitting the men. So I I couldn't tell you who started the fight because it was just all in together. It was just a big brawl. OK, so what happened with regards to the event as this was unfolding? It must have been known and seen by the organisers, Bingo Loco, and the security. I'm sure I, I saw people in, in, in kind of in flat gear, didn't I? They were in, in yeah. kind of yellow vests. They were, and they looked... They, came in, but I'm the first to say why are people videoing this, why aren't they trying to help someone, you couldn't you actually could not get in and break it up it was so vicious, it, to be fair it was announced straight away, it's all over it's all shut down, they shut the bar you know, they acted fast that way, the guards were there but there were just too many of them and it was too vicious, as I said we, listen we kind of weren't surprised did you just try and get out as fast as you can and put no, it behind you? No, we didn't because you know what? Where we were sitting, it happened in front of us, but it moved out. And I wasn't going down the stairs when they were all killing each other and they were all happening outside. We stayed in the hall until it was all moved out and the guards took everyone away, whatever they did. I don't know, because we... We weren't going to try and okay, get down the Okay, because there, were, there certainly were bottles being thrown and smashed yeah. and broken, but there were also yeah. chairs being used, weren't there? Anything yeah, anything somebody could get their hands on? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what line. would kick off. Somebody said two guys went at it at the bar, and before you knew it, it just erupted with different that groups. That happened. Just, it was so fast. You know, I said, I didn't see it start, but I just saw the tables and chairs were all gone. There was fists, there was, you know, kicking going on, everything. What makes people so angry on a night I out? I never saw anything so vicious. Oh, my God. It's absolutely yeah. awful. I mean, somebody really could have been very... I think somebody was seriously hurt, but somebody could have been killed. Like, a head injury would have just been... Absolutely. The way they were kicking each other, I don't know how there's not more. So it just it just ended. The, everything just was called off. Guards came. A couple of people were taken away in an ambulance. Yeah. Another couple were arrested or something like that. You finished yeah. your drinks and just headed home. 
we just waited until the, you know there were most of them were gone and we could get down the stairs and that was at quarter to ten I was home and all I have ten I wonder were any innocent bystanders hurt though caught up in the I wouldn't melee. be surprised I wouldn't be surprised because the way the tables and chairs were pushed and thrown I wouldn't be surprised if people got yeah. it was while we were next to it it was thrown the opposite side of us Half the time you don't know what people are yeah. on, to be honest with you. But I don't know what it is. People, we live in very angry times. They were enjoying themselves, Neil. This was the thing. They were all enjoying their life. And then obviously somebody said something to someone and they just went at it. Then a major pylon. And, you know, like, I have to say, as I say, it was as many boys as girls. Because they were yeah. quite young, weren't they? Although they maybe were, not so young. No. Twenties up, upwards. Yeah, I assume somebody yeah, in their fifties yeah. was uh, being certainly uh, yeah. being questioned by Gardy. Anyway, at least you got away with you. At least you got out of there unharmed. We did, we did. But you know, it was all, an awful end to the night. I could see the organisers were very upset. Wouldn't over you be? And, and so the hotel, absolutely. Yeah. And the poor security guards, like they got pushed and shoved as well. No, you have people like that, you know, idiots that ruin it for everybody. Simple as that. Absolutely, it is. Uh, you know, right. it's awful. Appreciate it. Is. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah. Thanks okay. for describing okay. it, Susan. Have yourself no a good problem. day. Enjoy Halloween. Happy Halloween, in other words. Back after 11 with that and lots more besides. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Okay, greatest Halloween stories today. will win afternoon tea for four of you, two adults and two children up at the Cork International Hotel. They have a spooky Halloween afternoon tea planned and I'll tell you exactly what will be on the different plates in a few minutes time. Oh, can I tell you what? I'm just going to open the phone lines now for fear I run out of time just before midday because Cork City Ballet are putting on Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake and we gave some double passes to give away to that last week. I want to do the same again for ballet lovers young and old. It's a great family night out as well. So we've got two pairs of tickets to give away now um, for the 2nd to the 4th of November. Uh, that's when the uh, Cork City Ballet put on. It's part of their 30th anniversary of um, you know productions in association with the Cork Opera House and it's a full-scale production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake so it'll look fabulous and it will sound gorgeous with beautiful music and ballet. So callers 9 and 10 on that one on 0818 104 106. Uh, lots then on different topics already this morning. Sadly, James says, I went to book a room in Clonakilty for Sunday night. I went to book it at, Fern, at Fernhill House Hotel uh, for the Saturday night to take my kids away uh, for a night out as a last minute decision. However, they wanted €620 for a room for the night for two adults and a baby. €620. It's ridiculous to be putting up those prices um, for one night stay away. I'll never think of going down west along again. Certainly not there. I think that can be a problem when it's a late, last-minute booking, like a last-minute anything, whether it's a hotel room or whether it's a, a, a flight restaurants don't do it with the last tables. They don't put up the price because they get a standard menu. But that can happen though, can't it? €620 when you're calling for a room that night. It's unfortunate, really. It really and truly is. And I think they need to do something about their algorithms with regards to why those prices would be charged. Yes, Neil, very sad to hear about the passing of uh, Matthew Perry. Lots of texts coming in on that one. I'll just read out one or two more from people who've been in touch regarding that. Uh, a good fr- Actually, bear in mind now that I've only got the one law of, so it's very hard to turn a lot of the pages. Um, can you please inform your texter, Anthony, about Friends not being LGBTQ friendly? Gunter in Friends was part of the LGBT community. On the Molly Martins and her father um, uh, pleading 
um, uh, manslaughter. All I can say is shame on them. I understand that they are trying to wrangle their way out of a long prison sentence, but I'm not sure if you heard the news or saw it or read it, um, that they said that they're bringing in some kind of defence to show how violent Jason Corbett was, they say. As part of their defence, they're saying that they believed that he possibly murdered his first wife. It's one thing to murder a person, but then to assassinate the victim's good name is beyond one of the worst things I could imagine you could do to someone who now actually can't defend themselves. Um, so absolutely, I did read that and I thought it was a reprehensible thing to say. But we'll have to see what the, what the, uh, what the evidence unfolds because it's a court case that's ongoing at the moment and I hope to talk to Ralph Regal in the morning. Um, absolutely love Friends. In fact, I still do. Not a day goes by that I don't watch the reruns. So an awful lot of people are talking about reruns and what have you. Talking about the brawl down at the Rochestown Park and thank you to the texters who were there and to Susan for coming on air. Has anybody else noticed that people seem to be a lot angrier since COVID? Is it a side effect of the vaccine or the booster? There seems to be anger all over the world, says Pat. It can't be anything like a coincidence. I don't know. Don't know anything about that. I think if you just put the Rochester Park aside, because I can't say at all what went on down there. But if you look at like society in general, people are on all sorts of different substances. They really are. And it's just wrecking their head. And they're just flying off the, fa- off the handle so, so quickly. Anyway, enough of that. I want to talk about happier times and happier things. It's Halloween. It's Samhain. It's a very important time of the year uh, for those who wish to celebrate in their own way. And I know that we knock the things that people buy in the different shops. But I was out walking at the weekend and I came across the garden up around Ballinlock. And the front garden looked fantastic. And I saw something that I'd never seen before. Two headstones in the garden, the front garden, and then a plastic, two plastic skeletons laid out on the front grass. And I said, oh my God, that is so cool. It's just one of those things that I hadn't seen before. But the things that we know of, and one of them we spoke about earlier on were, we, we call it, we used to call them toffee apples, or I think actually maybe in the south side they were called, were they called, and on the south side were they candy apples? Candy apples, Neil, they were called. And yeah. your mam was the dinger at them, was she? Oh, she was noted. She was noted on the south side of them. Well, where were the from one side of what is it? Ballyfehan to the other is it, or the whole yeah. of the south side uh, into yeah, the, whole of, the whole of the south side. And for years she made yeah. them. Did she, Mrs. Mack? Yeah, for as long as I can remember, she made them since I was a baby. She was making them, and I'm the the tenth or the fourteen. And, and she she only, she passed away like what twenty was it twenty five years ago? Was she been five years yeah, ago? She died young, did she? She was, she was only 71. Ah, uh, misfortune. And she tell died. tell us about her, her popular, because I never heard of a double or a triple decker. We were talking about that. We we just always got the single one on the lollipop stick. Oh, no. She was, it would depend on the size of the apple. Naturally enough, the single one was a big apple. <laughs> and then the next size would be the doubler and then the tribbler. And how would she make the um, the, the, the liquid candy? Like, would, that would have been with, um, how would she use just her what she'd make her sugar in her water once you know the right simple as that like yeah, sugar water like. heat it in a pan yeah. dip the apple into it and away you go yeah she wasn't even for colouring in because they preferred them natural like if you use the yeah. old remember the green tins and golden syrup that come, it would have come out kind of golden then wouldn't it yeah yeah it would depend yeah it would come out that colour golden and then she'd stand them up on their head and let them go hard she'd stand them up on the timber they even go hard and did she supply people with them, Mrs. Mack? She did. She was a supply to shops. To the she local to corner shop. shops? Yeah, top shop in uh, Tony Top Road. And there was another a little house shop, Mammy Mulls, <laughs> by, by the secondary school. 
We'd have to take them over there in the mornings to the shop, send them to the school, and there'd be queues outside the passage all day. And was it just yeah, one day. massive batch at Halloween, was it? No, she'd do them for a few weeks. Go away, the lead up and she'd afterwards. Few, the lead up and afterwards, yeah. And were you, invo- were, you, were you all involved in the sales and marketing? Oh, God, she used to send us out eating the apples <laughs> just to leave people see them, you know, and especially when she do the doubles and the triplers. That was smart she marketing from your man back in the day, send the kids out eating them and people would say, where did you get them? Oh, come on, I'll show you. My mum's making them. Oh, yeah, my mum is making them. They're so much. Go up and buy them. she send us out different days, different areas. Do you know what I mean? Have you still got all your teeth after all that sugar? <laughs> I have, but they might need my own. I wonder what she was... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I wonder what she was charging back in the day. A couple of pennies, I At suppose. Time, maybe two pence or something. Uh, I think it would have to about ten pence each. Happy day. Why years. didn't you continue the tradition for your mammy? I make them known again. Not all the time. Going back a couple of years, we did a reunion in the, the park where we lived, Larish Park. Yeah. And I made 450 that night for <laughs> everyone that came to the reunion. Where, where did you get the apples? I went out and I bought them in Tesco's and Allendies and Lidl's. You made 450 of them in your own kitchen? Yeah, I spent all that day, Saturday all, over, all day doing them. Oh my God. And I never oh told my. those they were organising it that I was bringing them up. And they all got demolished. I, they all got an apple each, everyone that came to the reunion oh, got an apple. Lord. Your mum would be proud of you. Me to do. Your oh, sure she was, but we were so proud of her. It's great to share stories like that in her honour and in her oh, memory. She'd be, she'd be 90, she would have been 97 on Friday, would she? She would be 97 last Friday, she would have been, yeah. All right, sounds like a great mammy. You sound to me as if you oh, love her she very, very much. She was gifted with her hens because when she couldn't make candy apples, she was dressed making. So she dressed the people all over the south side and the north side. Oh, she was a all superstar. All wedding clothes and all that, she was gifted. She was a superstar. Mrs. Mack, that and we should remember she her. She reared 14 of us. Go away. With 14 children, seven sons and seven daughters. Where'd you get to the time with doing the undoing the toffee I'm apples and making she clothes for people? Go. She was a great woman. I think there was more than one of her. But anyway, for anyway, for the day that's in it, get your toffee apples or your candy apples today inside in the Rowdy King inside in the market and pick up a delicious bamrack. <laughs> I'll go home and I'll make my own apples. Well, even smarter. <laughs> Bake your own cake as well for the day that's in it. Well, I do do, do the tea blacks. I don't do the bram rack or make tea blacks. I love it toasted like with butter too. and blackcurrant jam. You're only Lovely. a man. There you are. Maybe a bit of cheese up on top of it as well. Have a great day, oh, Anne. Hang on to the cheese. No, Bye. it's lovely. Thanks, try it. Don't knock it till you try it, girl. Julianne, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Is there a Halloween party on today? Yes, every year, I'd say from the last 13 years. Okay, so tell us, have you started preparing it already? What will it be like? So I could have about 20 kids here now by half one, two. And my sisters, there'll be a couple of babies there. So it basically started out, my son's birthday is on the 30th of October. Yeah. So when we moved into our house, his, the first birthday we had here, I said to him, oh, sure, put on your costumes, you know. So I started buying decorations and then it just, every year it led to the Halloween party. Now he's 15, but every year, the last maybe four years, I've said, no, I'm not doing it anymore. And the kids are like, oh, do the party. So literally it's, the bobbin apples. Thank God you're keeping flower, the traditions oh, alive. Yeah. Go it's on, the yeah. Flower yeah. and the grape. So if the grape falls, they dunk their faces into the flower. We do the hanging apple. We kind of do our own little things then where we've sparklers for the kids, obviously, supervised in the evening. And then we have a pinata and we put it out into the garden. And then they have the snaps. But it's it's just all great fun. The, now, when you talk about the apple hanging off the string, we used to call that snap apple night. Yeah, snap apple. Yeah. You're snapping yeah. at the apple because your hands are 
kept behind yeah, your back or tied the, behind your back or something like that? The same with the bobbin app. Like you're trying to do it with your hands behind your back. Um, there's a funny story last year. Last year was my first year ever. Like I organised the party, had it all ready before I went to work. So my husband was just here and the kids were all here. I had to work. So I came home and the party was nearly over. So literally I walked in the door. The kids, obviously, you hyper kids and the, the adults were having great fun. You know, the adults were getting involved and they literally just threw the flower nail all over me. My <laughs> kitchen was covered in flour. I know. I, it was just, but it, it's memories, like going back in photos of the kids when they were babies going to now and their faces with the laughter. You know, like my house is like Christmas with the decorations every year. Something it's worth added. it, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it is, you know, like my youngest is nine now. And like I thought, you know, I'll stop doing it. No, the, the nieces and nephews expect it now. And I have one boy now coming, my son's friend. He's going, apparently he's going to bring a full bag of flour because he was here last year and it was myself and him got covered in the flour. You should have seen me. There's a picture of me in the kitchen with the hoover trying to clean up. I'm covered in flour in my work uniform. <laughs> it's just... You're a big it's child. It's great fun. It's You're great fun. Will they, will all, how many do you think you'll have today? 15 or 20 of them? No, 15 or 20. Like, I have about... Between my own three, there's about 23 uh, more nieces and nephews. So will no, they... Not all of them are going to be there. Okay, but will they go out then visiting different estates? Yeah, anything for so Halloween? We, we normally... A few of us normally stay here. Then my oldest son will go with his friend and then my middle son will go with his friend. So it's mainly my younger boy I'll have this evening and some of my nieces and nephews. But it's just the enjoyment and the crack that they have. What are they getting at the houses these days, finally? I mean, is it it sweets or is it um, a few bobs? sweets and potatoes. You would get the monkey nuts, you know, like they were always a thing, the monkey nuts. You could get some apples, you know, the the candy apples. You know, it's a variety of stuff, but it mainly is sweets and potatoes, you know. So, like... They, they like the, it's all like before now you'd go to a door when we were kids and you'd get maybe a few monkey nuts into your bag or a few sweets but now it's goodie bags like we do goodie bags and we'd have about 20 to 40 goodie bags ready and it's a good, like you just literally hand them out when the kids come it's lovely the yeah, bags yeah, yeah. will be packed no and you know what I it's like he's 15 now and it was just it just started becoming a tradition you know they'll all so come cool. now like he's turning off the younger fella now turning on decorations here um, and they all just, know they that Julianne's it. house is the place to be on Halloween night <laughs> yeah like even lockdown three years ago Neil you know we couldn't go trick or treating so then we started making extra games which like we myself and my friend got old tins and we have them now as well they'll play bowling with them and we put coloured paper and we drew Halloween pictures on them wrecked the house be out knocking over the tins and everything outside like if the weather's dry but like I guarantee my house is going to be covered in flour by the end of the day well I don't know but I read out I read out the forecast earlier let's have a, another quick look at it hang on a second I've only the one part these days let me see what the weather's like tonight oh no unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> you're looking to rain tonight, girl. So I know what you're going to do. Yeah. Come up with yeah, a plan we'll B. But have a great one, all right? Have a great one. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, have a good girl. day. Take care. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. And some great prizes as well today. Afternoon tea to give away, courtesy of ourselves. It's afternoon tea with a difference. It's a spooky Halloween afternoon tea at the Cork International Hotel. It's a themed afternoon tea. Uh, it's worth just under uh, 100 euro per family. You can book it yourself there, 90 euro on the best Halloween story, ghost story or story Halloween tradition. We've had the traditions already this morning, but the man who knows all about it, traditions and everything else that goes with it, is a regular on this programme. It's Shane Lehan, the folklorist who's overseas at the moment. So thank you for taking the time and um, good morning to you, Shane. We're heading into Iha Sawan. What's it all That's about? It. it goes back a long, long time, doesn't it? It does. Listen, um, Neil, great to talk to you. And I, I think on one of the, 
real auspicious times of the year. Um, the, the word Samhain, actually, Samhainoth literally means half. So we literally think about the year is, we have two halves, one beginning on the 1st of May, Yeltsina, and today the, the Samhain, the, the 1st of November, the eve of the 1st of November. So we're, we're talking really about a very ancient time, a, a point when we think about everything in the year has died on us. Nature has, uh, the leaves are falling off the trees, fertility is gone, all of the animals are being slaughtered uh, for the farming community and so on. Everything is at, at an end here. And we're literally both at the end and the beginning of the next part of the year. So way, way back in time, this was the point of transition. This was the time when you looked to the past, was the last year very good? And you looked to the future. What can we say? Can we make predictions about the future and yeah, so on? Yeah. And those, those yeah. traditions go right back, Neil, right back into our ancient past. And, you know, it's, we're into the dark time. We're into the, the you know, the, literally the, the cold, the wet, the damp. Well, we, nobody has to be reminded of that, I suppose. But we're literally at that point of, you know, um, when the clocks have changed now as well. I suppose that's a modern thing. But at the same time, we kind of stay in by the fire, a time for storytelling, a time for you know, contemplation, it's like for dream and imagination, you know. Well, you see, I imagine way, way, way back in time, that's all they had really were stories, weren't they? And they, and the stories took off. When did it become kind of like otherworldly when we talked about the veil between the dead and the living was at its weakest and the spirits could walk amongst us? How, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I suppose always, like, when you think about it, it there is that synergy between the, the death in nature, as it were, and, and the death of, of, of ourselves. We think about, this, I often tell my students that the cycle of life, the life cycle, marries the, or mirrors the life cycle of, of the year, or the, the cycle of the year, I should say. So, like, we always look at, at maybe, you know, Christmas time or the, uh, the, the winter solstice as being a time of rebirth or Bridget's Day being a time of then you're planting, you're sowing your seeds, you're doing all of that. And then as we come along after harvest and so on, as we move in, this is the time of death. And I suppose it makes us think of the cycle of mortality and makes us think of our own mortality. And when we start thinking about people who've been there before, there's a time of the year when we think about that. So if you think about the three days of the festival, okay, we've got the 31st, which is today. We've got tomorrow, which is the Feast of All Saints. And that's where we get the word All Hallows or Hallows, Hallows Eve, because there's so many saints in the calendar long ago. Um, anyone who didn't get a date themselves, they threw them all in on the 1st of November. So two saints, as they say in France, mm. all saints. And then the second of is the Feast of All Souls. So the, the whole concept of the souls or what happens to you when you die is a really complex sort of integrated sort of you still there? Unfortunately, it's WhatsApp. You still there, Shane? You're just talking about being the. You're talking about it being the time of the dead, the night, the night of the night of the spirits. Do you, can you still hear me? Okay. Because we moved. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Because yeah, I was yeah. move, I was moving the conversation towards, uh, you know, the, being the night of the spirits walking amongst us. We hear of the witches and and the indeed even the broomsticks and and uh, the banshee, for instance. Yeah, yeah. everything to do with death and everything to do with any concept of, like, the one thing that you and I don't really want to think about at all is death, because it's the one reality. And this is the time of the year, Neil, that we're forced to think about death, okay? Everything relating to that. Um, when you think about it, all the stuff that you see, all the scary stuff, all the monsters, all the vampires, all the different ghosts and the, the witches that you're talking about, 
they all appear not in the middle of April and not in the middle of June. They appear at the dark time at this point in the year when everything else is dying around us. So we have that sense of, and the Banshee, I think, is a very interesting one. One of the things I really like about the Banshee is I, I've heard the Banshee, Neil, but in fact, what I really heard, and I remember when I heard it was the first time I grew up in the city and I moved out to the countryside and I could hear one night what sounded like a child being strangled or some horrific noise. And I went up my bicycle to look for it and I followed the noise around and so on. But in the end, what was it? Except uh, my neighbours told me, of course, it was the fox. It was the fox in heat and it was also the fox mating. And that real live human scream, I suppose, is something that, that I had to kind of think about and so on. But what's really interesting for me in that is that when people died in Ireland in the past, okay, we had what we call the ban quinta or the, the, the menor quinta, the keening women, and they in turn were almost like a present example of the of the banshee. Their job was to become hysterical, was literally to go feral, to go wild. To On the death of somebody, struggle. yes, they, and, you, and they were yeah. brought into different homes at the time to keen at the side of the dead. But but they were much feared back in the day, the banshee itself. I mean, you would avoid the banshee, like, like the many, many stories of the Irish fairies. The fairies were also many, many, many years ago. And, and even to this day, I mean, Eddie Lenehan, the Shenaki, tells many stories regarding fairies and fairy forts and black thorn bushes. They were a very yeah. superstitious people, weren't they? But we were. And, you know, it, it was very important because you needed some system, Neil, to explain the inexplicable. When you were faced with misfortune or something that happened to you and so on in the past, what would, what would literally happen is that another world agency, whatever way that was manifest, and as you say, sometimes in, in terms of the fairies, sometimes people who were taken by the fairies, they were normally taken on the 1st of May, and when you were taken by the fairies, it wasn't a pleasant activity. You were literally strapped to a horse, uh, a belly band underneath the, 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 the belly of the horse, if you like, and the horse was set bucking here and there and everywhere, quite often in the form of what we often call the puka, and when, the, when, when this horse was going around, it would put you through shiak bushes, it would scar you, it would torment you. And when we say and we use the phrase, oh, he's away with the fairies or she's away with the fairies, it really is a metaphor for the kind of psychological unrest that people often felt, that, that I think that was the way in which it was there. And then what's really interesting for me is that the only time that you can come back from being tied to this horse or is at the other point when, uh, when you said earlier on, the veil between this world and the other world opens up, which is today, the 31st of yeah, October. Yeah. And usually it was at, it was at midnight, Neil. It was at the crossroads. It was under a full moon, which we kind of have at the moment as well. And what would happen is that you can never see the other world, but the, the, the horse is coming along at the crossroads and you can see the dust rising up and the dust kind of makes the other world appear again. And in lots of the stories, we have someone waiting at the crossroads with their sharp iron knife to cut the bands, to pull the person off the back of the horse. But of course, in the stories, Neil, which I always find entertaining, uh, the person who's waiting at the crossroads a bit early goes in for a few drinks, usually has too, much, too many to drink. And by the time they see the, the, their loved one coming on the back of the horse, they can't take them off and they're stuck with the fairies forevermore. You, so. daren't, you daren't go back home via a graveyard on the night that's in it, of course, for fear of getting too close to them. But I, but I also did hear the story that if you heard the banshee, it was an impending cry from the banshee to tell you that somebody was either dead or about to die that was close to you. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the, ba- the banshee is sort of is a harbinger of death, is the death messenger. 
you know, and I suppose, you, you know, very regularly, you know, we associate different things. Sometimes people also felt that if a bird flew into the house, for example, very, very often, uh, they were certainly that somebody was going to die. Um, one, one very funny story I picked up in Mill Street not too long ago, Betty Dillinge was telling me that there was this man and he was very unwell and um, uh, he was in the bed but he, was, he wasn't dying or anything like that didn't a robin fly into the house one day and she was so certain oh that God. he was going to die with this what happened she got onto the undertaker straight away and she got all the arrangements made and everything such was the, her belief in that sense if you heard the banshee or if you had a robin flew in that this was going to happen oh my god the so band, the, yeah, the i mean the suspicions are very old then are they like seeing the solitary magpie or you know uh, if you've got an itchy nose it means someone's going to fight you <laughs> or you know throwing the salt over your left shoulder we'll be all day on those kind of they're very old traditions are they are superstitions yeah they are you see we we have we, i suppose we've become scientific we've become very knowledgeable we've become educated as you say you know it was a different time a different way of looking at things and portents of bad luck or evil and so on, they were hugely sort of cognizant. There was a whole other level of um, understanding of seeing the world through those particular elements. So, And they were passed on. And they were because uh, something would happen, somebody might get sick or somebody might die or somebody might get an injury if they interfered with something or if they heard the banshee or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So people made those associations and there was no way of like I'm I'm like as an academic uh, dealing with all these these things, Neil, I'm still bound by an awful lot of them because I wouldn't, for example, you know, if you uh, broke a mirror, you'd think seven years bad luck, or if you walk under a ladder, table, you know, yeah, yeah, or I, you know, or I won't take a knife off anybody, and all my students are handing me knives when we're putting on exhibitions and stuff, and I, I won't take a knife because it's a tradition that if you take a knife, you cut the relationship. Actually, so, talking about knives without cutting across you reminded me of one of them. You know, where people put a cross through if you bake brown bread at home or soda bread. My mother would always put a cross across the top of it to keep the devil out of the baking or to leave the fairies out that was it you know wow. so but of course as you and I know that was to let the the moisture Eric, should I know it wouldn't rise otherwise through. but I love the devil story better though <laughs> I have to say and but you know it's interesting the devil one is very interesting because all of the manifestations of this evil and negativity and fear and death they all occur at Halloween. These are all our, our Jungian shadows, if you like. These okay, and just, just because I wish I had more time, but just because of what we celebrate now, it's very much for the youth and for the young and everything. And, and some would describe it as being very plastic or non-traditional. As it, like, but do you have any problem with that? Or you just say, okay, let, let's, you know, whatever way it's going, we just no, go with I, it and celebrate I, it. We do, we do, because you see, we're not in control of it, Neil. We, 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 like as an anthropologist, you have to let it go. You can't make it into something you want it to be. But what I still love is that tradition of guising, of disguising. So in the past, at, at Halloween in particular, but also at other times in the year, uh, you take the Wren boys, you take the Biddy boys, you take the May boys, you take the strawing of weddings. People dressed up in straw costume as a disguise. And when you were disguised, it gave you a sense of anonymity. And when you, had, uh, when you were anonymous, you could do anything you like. It was a recipe for chaos. So what we really see at Halloween, when people are wearing masks and they're going around using that American phrase, trick-or-treating, they're really reenacting something that happened not with children, but with adults as well. Everybody in the past dressed up. And in fact, I, I've done a lot of work on the Iron Islands. And on the Iron Islands, it's called Ihanapuki, the night of the ghosts or the night of the fairies. And all the adults dressed up there, 
it's still a living tradition. It's not based on children alone. It's not based on, you know, our kids going around trick-or-treating or looking for sweets and so on. This is still an amazing time when you get that sense of mischief and you yeah, get a sense of, bring you know, people are around, they're doing all sorts of stuff when they have their masks on and nobody knows who they are. Bring it on. license for chaos, you know? Listen, great to chat as usual, Shane. Don't be a stranger. Wonderful, wonderful contribution as always. Shane Lehan, the folklorist. Lehan, I should say. Can I just actually, can I just chat with uh, Marie? Because Marie and her partner Craig down west along have the Woodsman's Realm in Skibreen and I was reading and checking out their website uh, last night. It's a fabulous shop online and also in the physical presence in Skibbereen itself. And Marie joins me by phone. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you going? And I'm good. And your life now is steeped because you are pagans. Pagans. We are indeed. Uh, and is that, yep. is that very much a, a, a 100% connection and attraction to the earth and to nature and all that's around us? You've pretty much summed up what the nature of paganism is. And we get asked this an awful lot in the shop people coming in trying to find a path into it and it's very simple it really is a connection with the natural world the cycle of the seasons and the stillness of that rather than the busyness of our our modern world with all our digital technology it's a way of going back to how things used to be and is this time of the year Samhain important for pagans and those who um, have maybe Celtic beliefs or or druids or I know I see in the shop you you deal with with all things vital as well. Is this a significant day? Absolutely. It's probably the most beloved of our, our eight Sabbaths. There are the Celtic Wheel has eight major festivals roughly every six and a half weeks apart. And this, as I was listening to your the chain, I think his name was yeah. fascinating. He's right, he's talking about the it's like the last day of the year, the day where we honour the dead, where we open the doors to those that have passed good and bad and you know it's it's like a a two-way street when the veil's thin you can make these connections more easily than you could at any other time of year so we have a great deal of honoring and many rituals and traditions that are still alive and well today yeah you you are what we all were before many converted to christianity but for you is there anywhere after this as a pagan do you mean as another life yeah yeah, absolutely. We it, It's a bit like the nat- that natural world when autumn comes and the leaves fall and they turn to, to compost and mulch on the ground and then they form the, the life form for the next seeds to yes. grow. So we, we believe the same thing, that when our physical lives pass, our spirit returns to the source and is reborn again in some other form. Will you be marking this evening with any kind of ceremony, I wonder? We actually have something pretty special going on. It's something we began a couple of years ago when we first opened the shop. Um, and one of our lovely stockists put us onto this. It's called a wishing bowl. And we've invited everyone, our customers and people from anywhere who are interested in this, into sending in their wishes for either the end of this year, in gratitude for the year that's been, or for wishes ahead for what the year might bring for themselves, for loved ones, or even for the planet. So what we do is we have this bowl that's quite full now i'm looking at it here in the window of the shop we have a, a beautiful wicker man that looks over it and tonight uh, probably around about 9 30 we have like a fire ritual that we will do normally it will be outside but looking at the rain i think we're going to be doing it inside tonight and we we say a few words like a prayer and a blessing and we will burn these wishes in the fire and send them off into the ether okay so very much steeped within paganism is wishes charms spells um, curses? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, we are human. We're not 
good or bad, we have both in us. And you know, sometimes we turn to the dark side too. <laughs> so can you can you spot bad energy? Is it something that you can that you can see in people? Is it is it a gift or something like that? I don't think it's a gift. I think we all have the ability to spot it, but. Like I was mentioning earlier about our digital world, it, it like frazzles our signals. So sometimes we're blind to it. It will be all around you. If you know you meet a stranger, you can often suss out very quickly if they're a good or a bad person, unless they're a particularly good actor. That's true. You can you get know? a vibe. But you know something? I'm here all day, um, but I don't have much time. But do do you are your are your weddings different? Are are, you, are your funerals different? Yes and no. Um, we still follow wedding traditions. You know, it's a celebration of a union. So it would be a hand fasting where the hands literally are bound with ribbon and words are said, spoken from each partner and officiated by someone. And there would be the usual uh, celebration of food and drink and dancing. So very much like a wedding of today, but usually very often it's set outside so the, the wedding wouldn't take place in the church but maybe in like yeah. a sacred space outside yeah, the way it and used to be yeah like the way it used to be and you know there's a lot of joy to be had in that a lot cheaper as well and finally very finally you look at the, you talk about the planet and mother earth and nature is it fair to say that the earth is very angry at the moment we see with with flooding and, and droughts and fires and is, is do you have thoughts on that at all i wonder I do. Um, I probably think a little differently to most people. I don't know. Um, my feeling is that we are here with very short lives. Uh, the planet is however many billion years old. It will carry on going. It's, it's, maybe it's angry, but I think maybe we go through these changes on the planet on a long scale. To look at thousands of years. We have floods, we have fire, we have eruptions of fireballs. God only knows what else. I believe that we should honour and live in peace and harmony on our planet, but I think the planet will take care of itself long after we're gone. Thanks so much, Maria. It's great to chat with you. I'm going to visit sometime soon. Regards to you and to Craig down west along. Lovely chatting with you. Have a great pagan festival today. They've got the Woodsman's Realm in Skibbereen. Well worth checking out. Certainly, you can check out their online shop. Back after the break, calls on the way. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818-104-106. Just quickly on Danielle Toomey deciding that she's not going to rerun down East Along. A good friend and a great counsellor says Frick. Danielle was on council with me. I was her work husband as she called me. Best of luck to her going forward. Others are saying if Danielle is leaving why not tell us who these people are so we can stop voting for them. Um, I didn't ever say actually that they actually were in office in any way shape or form incidentally. Anyway the text says I hate how people say all of this stuff about people online but we don't know their names. Um, we need to know their names because if we don't, then the next woman will also be treated the very same way. Uh, here's, here's a difficult one, actually, and I hope Pat gets it sorted. So I hope we can read this text on air. My son and his girlfriend got a taxi home to Wilton Gardens at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning from the Grand Parade. The taxi driver entered €132 Euro instead of €13.20 on the credit card machine. I believe it really was a genuine mistake. If he contacts you, perhaps you can give him my number, says Pat, because there is a big difference between 1320 as a fare and 132 euro as a fare, the decimal point being in the wrong place. I think that can happen. I believe it's a genuine thing, to be quite honest with you, but it can happen. Uh, so please, if you're the taxi driver, you might want to check. And it also goes to show you really need to check the prices of everything, the receipt that you get, because we all too often just tap and go. And can I just say also, by virtue of um, uh, clarification, I've got uh, Michael O'Neill from Fernhill House. Michael, good morning. 
Good morning. My, Good morning. my, my apologies. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't made clear enough that that price was a booking.com price, Michael. Um, and I was, that's the point I was making about the algorithm on booking.com at the last minute. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why he'd see yeah. a, a price of, um, how much was it? 600 and odd euro, I think. Was that the oh, case? Yeah, and I just said that we'd never charge anyone. No, I, I, and, and that's the, like that. the, the and point. The point is that Booking. dot com they go off on one like that at the last minute. Yeah, yeah I just looked at you. We all know technology to things. There could be hiccups to things, but like if we ever they get a booking like that, we would contact the guest straight away and refund them because we totally do not believe in overcharging people. And I think like what what happens up in like uh, like in certain cities when concerts on and things like that. Yeah. I think it's it's absolutely terrible. And it's morally reprehensible. Yeah, so I, th- I think businesses need, need to be aware that it's happening, though, because it doesn't do hotels any favours with people who oh, want to all. stay in their... Pre- so what, what is the message? Ring the hotel first to get the proper rate. Go direct is, is always the safest way. And like, like we all saw the case there recently where, where somebody um, set up a fake hotel up in Dublin in someone's house. And uh, they're, they're and putting through and people are booking, turning up to the house. Oh my God! I heard and, that in Joe Duffy. And, You're so yeah. right. Yeah. And it took it took and and not only that, it, uh, the, the people who own the house contacted uh, booking that time to take it down, and it took a month for it to be taken down. You know, and people kept on turning up for anniversaries and everything, and, uh, and only when it hit the media did they take it down. What would so the think, what would the correct price be? I mean, it's a fabulous location. I've been there. It's fabulous. The rooms, the food, and everything. So much, what yeah. would it have been? So, like, we charge, like, uh, like uh, two adults in a, in a uh, room on Saturday night is uh, 219 euro, yeah. with breakfast included. Yeah, but look, yeah. it, it, it is a, a, a handy bit of money, but it's nowhere next or near the 600 quarter. And then with children, so un, uh, under four is free, and then, uh, like, five to 11 is 25 euro, and uh, 12 to 15 is 35. And, well, know, no, so. I mean, that's the, that's... That's reasonable, I have to say, considering the times you live in, and it's a brilliant yeah, breakfast. But what would yeah, what I, of the six hundred odd euro? How much of that would you have got? Well, the, the blue book, uh, the, the booking account take fifteen percent of every booking as well. So, um, but, but like, if we did get a booking, you'd account, know it. We would, or we'd contact the guests and say there was a mistake here. Like, we we, we went through email taking a booking. Like, we'd uh, and then we'd we try and get them on the right rate with us. You know, I, I would because, like, like to think that everybody would refund the difference, like you would, because it's an astro. It doesn't do. See, somebody sees that online overseas or whatever, yeah. they'd be discouraged ever coming to Ireland with this. It's hard, and like, you know, we're a big fan of Irish hospitality. We don't want uh, the reputation for Irish hospitality. No, you want people to come back again and again, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's it, you know. And, and like, we're all, you know, we're all in it together to try and uh, show the guests a good, a good time in our areas and bring them down to rural areas like Clannock uh, City and West Cork and, and get them to spend their own the place, you know, totally, and helping yeah. everyone. Yeah. So, will you, you, know, so. will you be contacting Booking.com and third party websites to say this isn't good enough or what? Oh, of course, yeah. But sure, as you see, like that, 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 that host there that was left up online for a month, divert, you know, and like, they, 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 were, like, they were taking fake bookings and they could get it done for a month until they hit the media. They're very hard to get in touch with them. But uh, we'll do our best anyway. Well, I'm, I'm happy to send on this audio of this conversation to them as well and make them yeah. maybe sit up and pay, take yeah. notice. Anyway, listen, Michael, happy to clarify it and continued success down there to you all, all right? Thanks very much. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, my man. Take Cheers. care. And, and, and apologies if I gave you a bit of a, a semi-heart attack. 
No, bother, no, bother. It's all good. And right, thanks so much for everything you do. Take care, appreciate. take care. Well worth yeah. checking out Fernhill House. It really is, genuinely. Uh, that's a booking.com price, and you have to be very wary. The story is check first with the location you want to stay in. I bet you'd be surprised at a completely different price. Meanwhile, Jamie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are we doing? I'm good, my man. I'm all ears. Good. What have you got for me, pal, on the night that's coming and the day that's in uh, it? Huh? <laughs> 20 years ago there, I used to work in a bear in Middleton, the meeting place. Um, and I remember there one night there was an incident. Uh, so the manager and myself had to go back upstairs and look over CCTV. Now, the bear was empty at this point. It was after closing time. But we noticed when we were looking back over the CCTV, we saw a kind of a shadow sitting by the corner, the front bear. Oh, wow. So we went back over it a few times just to see what we were seeing was right. And um, as we were going back over it, one of the Venetian blinds up in the room, in that up upstairs room we were in, came back off the window and smacked back against the window again. Now, there was, we were the only two people in that room we just looked at each other, the two of us, and we just ran. We bolted straight for the stairs. But we all, would, oh, that room was always dark and damp. And Is that an old building, the meeting place? In it Milton? would be. Oh, it would be. Yeah, How yeah, old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd say it must be over 100 years old, at least, anyway. So Maybe what became more. of the... So a faint figure sitting on a stool that wasn't even there, not even the stool? Correct, yeah. Correct, yeah, yeah. Wow. Correct. And... and did the spirit disappear? We, we, I'll be honest, we didn't even look back on it. We ran down the stairs and there was other staff downstairs and they didn't even believe. They wouldn't believe us at all what we were after. We knew, we knew what we were after, what we were after seeing and what happened up there, but nobody had believed us afterwards. You know? And is the footage still but available? Yeah. Oh, I would say not. No, it was one of those old VCRM recorders. Oh. And describe the figure. I could talk to you all morning about it, but this faint figure, could you pick up the clothing or the age or the sex of the figure? You couldn't, no. It just looked, it, it just looked like a shadow. That's all. It just, it was a shadow sitting down, you know. In the shape of a person. Like. In the shape of a person, yeah, yeah. Man, I love that one. <laughs> But scared, scared the absolute life out of us. Yeah, but I'd love, I would love if something blind. like that happened to me. The blind, what about the blind? The blind's blind? done it more for us, like, you know. <laughs> they smacked out and smacked back against the window. It did, yeah, it did, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I'm going to set up a, a spooky Halloween afternoon tea for you and whoever you choose to take with you, courtesy of ourselves in the Cork International Hotel. Where are you, in the city or in the suburbs? Oh, no, I'm in uh, Middleton. All right, well, get yourself up there and get you booked in. Stay on the line, we get full details, all right? That's great, thanks very much. Well done, man, great story. Afternoon tea with a Halloween theme, raspberry macaroons, um, broomstick, blackcurrant mousse with black ink jelly and vanilla eclairs filled with custard and chocolate and caramel brownies. They call them the rib tombstone uh, for the stories this morning and you can book yourself directly at the Cork International Hotel. Now, um, because I'm running rapidly out of time, we've got Cork's oldest trick-or-treaters who are doing their thing again today by all accounts. Con is one of them, John is the other. Um, how many of you, Con? Half a dozen or so? Yeah, there's about there's at least four of us in it, but there could be more. All right, John, can you hear me? Yes, hi, Neil. And how, how is, is Ducky on board as well? I don't know, she has what's her funeral, I think she's just gone. All right. She's gone. Okay, well, there's a long day there. What about Martin? There'll be at least three of you. Where are you going? 
Carrick Tool tonight. Were you invited? Oh yeah, definitely. They want us there. <laughs> Will you be all dressed up? Yeah, we're going definitely to the ship tonight. As you say, we're older and more, I mean, less wiser, but we're still young at half and we're still more swing. <laughs> Come here, Khan. Have I you? Don't, I don't have to wear any mask because I'm I'm uh, 65 now and I'm, I'm a wrinkly old face, so <laughs> I, I look a bit wild anyway. Have you got a lot of kids calling today at some time in Cross Barry or something? Oh yeah, so we'll have about 150 kids here coming here this evening because we set up the house here. We have the flying ghosts and the the men be knocking inside in the coffin and there'll be a weird doll and. There'll be loads of people jumping out of the bushes. We give them a, more, a better scare than they do with the sweets. They, <laughs> they'll be looking more so for the scare. <laughs> and have you loads of sweets and apples and everything for the kids? Oh, we've up? got plenty for them, plenty for them. But if they don't, we give them the scare anyway. If we run out, you know, did, too many come. Did you, but did, but did, we always have enough. Did Cork's oldest trick-or-treaters start late in life? Or have you been doing this since childhood or what? Well, we done it early on in childhood, but we really went back to it in our twenties when we were back, back in that was back in the eighties. People, people were, were, were they didn't know what was happening. I mean, we had one person. She was there after we leave, and we could hear them saying the rosary inside, and she was going around. We heard afterwards from our daughter that she was going around blessing the house because she didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, will you put on a show then in Carrick Tool tonight? Is that the case, John? Yeah, well, yeah, we'll do our best. Uh, but, but the only thing is that we're expecting lots of rain, so I think all the, the makeup will be washed off. So <laughs> we'll still fight now. We'll still fight now. And, uh, <laughs> Have you, will you be singing songs and everything? Oh, no, we can't sing. We'll get somebody else to sing. <laughs> we, we'll find somebody else. We, we try, but the point is that we really put in that with the kids. We go down on our knees. But um, no. I God, we have the new people now because they can lift us back up. And we put in <laughs> and, and Ducky's probably the best with the voices because she puts on a little voice. She says, Lisa, can I have some sweets? And they, <laughs> she's she's the ventriloquist, I think, is she? Oh, she's the ventriloquist. Yeah. Because uh, last year there now she put on a voice to say, a, a man's voice. And she said, come on, I'm going into this house. And they were all looking around to see where was the man because everyone would be looking higher up for the man and we'd be on our knees. And everyone would look and say, he's gone in. He's done in. We'd be shouting. <laughs> Watch out, Carrick Tool, then, because Cork's oldest trick or treaters are on the way. <laughs> next year, I'll build a dude on the bus because I'll have the free travel next You'll year. You'll have the free travel. <laughs> Frighten all the customers and passengers on the bus. <laughs> Go on, stay just the way you are. We love you the way you are. Have a great one tonight and enjoy it, all right? Okay, thank you very much, All the best, guys. Listen, I tell you what I'm going to do with the second afternoon tea. That was a beautiful story that Anne told about her mother, Mrs. Mack, making all of the candy apples for all of Bellafihan, for the shops and the kids and everything. And the fact also that Anne continued the tradition for her mammy all these years later. So of afternoon tea, spooky afternoon tea as well for you and for you to take whomever you choose to the Cork International Hotel and to enjoy it. Two other stories. Listen, I know that today is the day, but it doesn't stop us from telling others spooky stories tomorrow for another few prizes. So if you've got a spooky Halloween story to share, I'll give it even more time tomorrow. So do email neil at redfm.ie or text 0868104106 and don't forget uh, the Dead FM Halloween special tonight with KC and the gang from 10 o'clock. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.